there we go. We're recording now. So, you ready? I'm ready. Yeah. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Hello, everyone. This is Celestial Exodus, and I'm here with my friend, the Lizard Wizard. Oh, fuck. I forgot about that. Yeah, you forgot about the Lizard Wizard. Damn it. Look it up. Look it up, kids. So, I'm Rosin. Oh, I'm Zach. Hi. Hi. We're recording episode 21 of We Are Finally Podcast. And hey, Rosin. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I'm going to cut off your great segue. You know how when you said your name, I was slightly delayed and, and like, distracted? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell them why. <laughs> oh, is it because we're doing this live and you're listening to the Twitch audio? Well, no, I'm not listening to Twitch audio. I'm just reading the chat. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're doing this live on Twitch. I don't know why. You know, because we can drink now. That's why. Because it's WAF 21. Ugh, that's gross. Yeah. So, we've so. been doing things. Yeah, we have. You've been doing things. Yeah, I have. D- tell us about them. Okay. Yeah, I'm going first this week, y'all. Yeah. Y'all? Week? Fuck this podcast already. No, it's fine. Um, so I had a great day today. I went to see Fate Stay Night, the movie Heaven's Feel One, Presage Flower. How was it? Uh, I really, really liked it. That's good. Good to hear. Uh-huh. They didn't fuck it I, up. Because they have a good track record, so... <laughs> they do. And I'm not going to go into any major spoilers, because, one, you haven't seen Heaven's Feel or read Heaven's Feel or anything, and two, nope. the, it is, like, for people that haven't read the visual novel, it, you know... Because who the th- fuck this wants is new. to read those? Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Um, so yeah, not gonna go into super in-depth spoiler stuff, but I did have a couple of things I wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. and I actually have, like, a dumb, like, document I made with, like, thoughts on all the things I'm talking about. I, I want to say real quick, I have not seen this movie, and I wanted to see this movie, however, for some reason, all Wisconsin showings are in December? Yeah! Um, and the closest one is a little ways away, and honestly, like, I'm gonna be, I know I'm gonna be busy that week, so I, like, I just can't see this in theaters. Which sucks, because, like, I was able to see Resurrection F at my local theater for some fucking reason, um, but I wasn't so lucky with this one. To be fair, there's a lot, I imagine this is showing at a lot less places, but... Well, yeah, it's not Dragon Ball. It's not Dragon Ball. That being said, like, that, that is part of the story, too, I guess. Uh, so I was, like... They announced that they would be doing like a limited theater run in America for this, and I was like, in the it back was of my subbed, mind, right? Not dubbed. It was subbed, yeah. Okay. Like in the back of my mind, I was like, man, it would be really cool to go see that, but I doubt I'll get a chance to. So then, when they announced the theaters, it was like, hey, there is one theater in New Jersey that is showing it, and I looked it up, and it was only like thirty-five to forty minutes away from me. Nice. So I hit up some friends and was like, hey, y'all want to go see Heaven's Feel? And they were like, yeah. So we bought our tickets and counted down the days, like, eagerly. And, uh, yeah, it was a packed, sold-out theater, for what it's worth. Um, which makes sense. It's the only one yeah. in the state that's playing it. But, yeah. uh, it was still, in- it was still cool to see that. Um, the crowd was questionable at times, but oh. it's fine. <laughs> um... Yeah, a couple of goofy things, uh, as you expect from uh, Tight Moon fans. Let's be real here. <laughs> uh, 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call out any individuals or anything, but there was some uh, some shouts during the theater that was a little cringy, oh. and some people brought some items with them, and I don't mean like cosplay items. I mean like figures and stuff. Why would you do that? I don't know. <laughs> okay, you know what? Th- this is a. Uh... This is a this is a story to tell, sure. Okay. So there there was so I saw someone as as we were like getting our tickets to go into the theater, someone had with them a figure in a box, and I look at it, and in the back of my mind I'm like, that's that's a little too far, man. Why'd you bring a figure? And then I go, wait a minute, I think I recognize that box. And like my like my heart started sinking and I got like this sickly feeling washed over me. So I like walked in front of them and looked behind and I was like, Yeah, I have that figure. Fuck. Nice. <laughs> That's some good and that stuff. Was, that was pretty bad. Uh, Lewis asked if anyone dressed up as a fake character. I did not see anyone dress up as a fake character, but I definitely saw a lot of people with like fake shirts and stuff. Um, also, Chad, let us know how the audio is going. I'm using a slightly different setup than normal, so yeah, definitely. If one of us is too quiet, let us know. I I was adjusting Zach a little bit while he was talking, so hopefully we're more equal <laughs> than we started. But I don't know. Fuck uh, it. We're live. Yeah, so we don't sometimes care. I'm loud and obnoxious. I apologize. Yeah. Um, man, those Zelda episodes are pretty bad with that. Sometimes I hear the audio cackling, and I'm like, mm-hmm. get away from the mic, idiot. Uh, but yeah, no. So that aside, and aside from some people, like it was kind of funny whenever a popular character appeared on screen for the first time. Everyone like started clapping and cheering, and I'm like, okay. Um, but the movie was very good. And also way longer than I was expecting. Oh, really? Um, it is a full two hours. And okay. the, they they really nailed the pacing of it, which I'm really happy to see. Because you were worried it was going to be really slow, from what I remember talking to you I about. was worried it was either going to be very slow or very rushed. Um, and they pulled it off very well. Because the first... So the the first half of the Heavens Feel route is a very slow, like, a lot of tension building, a lot of mystery, a lot of, like, anxiety building in the background and character stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is maybe rough for, to do an entire movie of. Yeah. Um, they pulled it off well. Uh, like I said, I'm not going to get into super spoilers, but, like, I will say the first, like, 15 minutes of the movie is actually, like, all original... It's, like, original scenes of stuff that was talked about but never shown before, and they, like, start building up the, like, Shiro Sakura, like, they they go into how they met and all their, like, how their relationship started, which was a really nice start to the movie, and then they threw in some action scenes here and there, but it was definitely more action-heavy in the second half, which, as a movie, should be. Mm -hmm. Um, There was only, like, two or three really standout action scenes, but they were, like, they came at the exact point in time where you needed them to come you know yeah yeah um it's a very character focused movie uh i will say that if no one knows what heaven's feel is this is a lot darker and more violent than unlimited blade works which we talked about unlimited blade works in a previous episode we talked about fate zero it's kind of like closer to fate zero in terms of that but also it's a movie so it's way more violent like you see some really get away like, with more. <laughs> you see some real bloody, gruesome stuff sometimes. Um, only thing that was a little weird with that is sometimes the 
there was some comedy thrown in here and there, and it was all funny, but sometimes a little off-tone when surrounded by all the dark stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, I liked it a lot. I guess that's really all I can say until, like, you also see it. Yeah. And you can do, like, spoiler stuff, but that'll probably be, like, sometime next year. Yeah. Um, only other thing I'll say is that, like, this is going to be such a random comment for people that don't know anything about Heaven's Feel, but, hey, they do some really cool stuff with shadows towards the end, and that gets me really excited for the next couple, the next two movies, because, like, they do shadow stuff in a way that's really trippy at one point, and that's really fun to look out for, so. That's, uh, that's that. I highly recommend it, and I'm very excited for the next movie, which will be the one that actually starts having all the really cool action stuff that I want to see, um, which they did announce will be next year. So, oh, they're not gonna neat. they're not gonna make people wait more than one year for these movies. I think. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, that's it. I guess unless anyone has anything else, like if you have anything to say or if anyone has any questions about fate, then we can move on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the chat adds a weird like. I feel like some asshole that's on the stage right now. Yeah. But in contrast just... to just feeling like an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Actually, you want to like uh you want to alternate with this one cuz I feel like I'm ta- going to be talking a lot at the beginning. Oh, like alternate subjects? Yeah. Um, I guess I can talk a little bit about a movie that I saw. Yeah. So, I recently saw Thor. Yeah. The Dark World. Oh. So, so, um, I always forget that movie because I think it's the worst Marvel movie. So, I knew I was gonna say, I knew I was gonna see Ragnarok this week. So I was like, it's like $4 to rent on Amazon. I think it was on sale this week. Um, let's just rewatch Thor The Dark World for, like, the third time in my life. God, that movie is terrible. <laughs> it's so bad. It's not, it's not great. It's really bad. Um. Okay, so, I think we've talked about this before, but what's your opinion on Thor 1? I think Thor 1 is alright. It's one of the weaker ones, but I think they do some cool, fun, fish-out-of-water stuff. Um... I think it's fine. I get if someone was like, "I fucking hate it." I I get it, but I. So what if someone said, "I fucking love it"? I honestly, I could go either way with it. I just think it's like average. Thor Thor one is my favorite Marvel movie. Oh really? I huh? Yeah. It's Thor one followed closely by the Avengers and then Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. And those are kind of the only ones I really outstanding movie like. <laughs> All the other ones are just okay. So, what I will say is that Thor Ragnarok, I've, I have never seen a Marvel movie disrespect with such fun and authority the shit that came before. Oh, okay. Um, I, so I was curious going in because the dude directing this apparently said recently that he barely took into account the other... Like, there's obviously the continuity stuff that, like, is overarching and studio-mandated that he had to throw in there. But he's like, yeah, I didn't really look at Thor 1 or Thor 2 at all for this. Um, 
And he said, if they bring me back for a sequel, I don't want them to make me call it Thor 4 or whatever. He wants to make Thor Ragnarok 2. Okay. Which is really interesting, but I can see why. So, I saw The Dark World, and then the next day, Amanda and I saw Ragnarok. That movie is completely... That Thor is a different character. Um... He is more in line with, like, Thor 1 and Avengers Thor <laughs> than he is with, like, Thor 2 Thor, who is a little more, like, serious. Like, Th- the Dark World feels like it's trying to be a bad Lord of the Rings type thing at times, you know? Mm, yeah, for sure. They brought it way back. So, what I didn't expect this movie to be, and I, I heard going in, some critics were like, oh, they went the Guardians of the Galaxy route with it. They didn't. Um, sure, they do some 80s throwback stuff, but not with the music. Like, l- literally, that Led Zeppelin song is the only thing they really have like that. Um, and they use it wonderfully in the actual movie. This is a throwback to, like, 80s cartoons like Thundercats and shit. Yeah, I totally could see that vibe from, like, the trailers and stuff. It is... There... I, I Like... It's a lot of that. It's a lot of like. There's a point where like the, what you could only describe as like Mad Max wasteland scavengers come up uh, for a brief minute. It's a lot of like dumb pulpy '80s shit. Uh, a lot of dumb fantasy like heavy metal imagery. There is a few points where Amanda and I looked at each other and were like, "This is just Dark Souls." Uh, it was so fucking fun. Like the opening sequence might as well be described as Dark Souls boss fight. Uh, it's so fucking funny. And so you say like it's really funny. The one negative I hear about this movie is people saying sometimes it's too funny. I would say, so here's my thing. I don't care enough about Thor and Loki as characters to have that as a major problem. That being said, if you take those characters a little more seriously and to heart than I do, I could see why someone would be pissed about this movie. Because there is no, like, there are almost no sincere moments in this, like, movie that aren't immediately brought to their, like, extreme or made, like, the butt of a joke. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. I kind of like the comedy to be balanced with some more serious moments and sincere moments. mm -hmm. I, I think I'm fine with it because it is... I feel like Guardians does that mix. Like, obviously, it's a lot more comedic. Um, but this one was just felt like a comedy through and through. Um, but, I don't know. It's really weird because I liked the comedy in this way more than I liked the comedy in either of the Guardians movies. One of my major complaints with Guardians 2 when I saw it earlier this year was every time that, like, a scene was about to end, I could call the joke. Now, in a lot of the jokes in this movie, I could be like, oh, they're gonna do this to get a laugh out of people. And a lot of times they would, but I would still laugh. Like, the execution was just better, I felt. Um, And I think this movie actually sold me on Thor and Loki's relationship more than any of the other movies. Because there's kind of this weird, like... There's this weird sort of connection going on where... They both have a lot of respect for each other, but they don't necessarily want to admit it, and they're both kind of trying to fuck each other over, and they both know that the relationship's probably never, ever really gonna go back to how it was before, um, and they play around with, like, 
it alternates between like some heartfelt scenes that are then like brought down by them basically going back to being bickering children. And I, I liked that aspect of it a lot. The Hulk was pretty good. They actually, so I don't know if you know, the Hulk speaks in this movie now. Yeah. Uh, he's pretty good. There's a lot of, like, so part of part of why this movie exists is to be like, oh, this is what Hulk and Thor were doing during Civil War or whatever. Uh, I love how that movie is, like, super-duper melodramatic and, like, you know, super serious in one of the darker Marvel films. And this one, Thor and Hulk just keep, like, giving, like, backhanded compliments to each other, trying to, like, convince one another who the stronger Avenger is. <laughs> um... There's a really stupid joke at some point where Thor's like, I'm going to build a team to win back my homeland. And someone's like, what's it called? And he just looks at the person and just goes, the Revengers. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> I know. Fuck that movie. <laughs> it's so stupid. Alright, I gotta watch that. Um, It's a lot of just really dumb humor, but like... So here's my thing. I didn't feel like it was Joss Whedon humor. Like, I felt yeah. like this guy actually just wanted to make something dumb and goofy. And I kind of respect it for that. Um, I don't think it's in my top Marvel movies, but I kind of dug it more than Guardians 2. I think I like Spider-Man more than this, though, because Spider-Man on its own was just a real good, like, teen comedy film. I still haven't seen that. I think that's one of the better ones, actually. It's definitely the best one from this year. Um, also, too, I think Spider-Man finally has a really damn good Marvel villain. It took them a while to get there, but they, they finally <laughs> got one. So. Uh, but yeah, I I liked it a lot. Um, it's really weird because I feel like Marvel, at least for now, wants to kind of get everyone's trilogy in. And I feel like it's kind of a shame, because I do think I'd like to see Thor Ragnarok 2. But, I mean, obviously we need to figure out what happens with the whole, like, next Avengers shit and all that, so. Yeah, man, I'm just getting so fatigued with it all. Hey, but it's it, it ending like soon. Huh? It's ending soon. We only have four or five more movies. Oh, it's gonna keep going. Well, man. I mean, it's gonna keep going, but th this is the end of arc one or whatever the fuck they call the things that the that the phases make up. Yeah. So, you know what's actually curious, and I want your opinion on this. So, I've kind of been at the point where it's like, yeah, I don't know how much my interest is gonna, like, be carried over after, like, the fourth Avengers movie where this storyline wraps up. Um, you know that shit about Disney buying X-Men, though? Or Disney yeah. buying the rights... Or Disney buying Fox and then regaining the rights to X-Men and shit? Yeah. I think that could be a possibly interesting way to breathe new life into that universe. If that works out. But also, too, shit like Logan makes me hesitant because it's like, oh, we're going to lose some creative vision there. With Well, I, I, I mean, he already said he doesn't want to do any more Wolverine movies. You yeah, not necessarily movies like, I, I just mean movies of that type. Or, like, yeah. if Disney buys Fox and, like, say what you will about the movie, but we're never going to see shit like Deadpool again. I don't think, you know, like... Yeah, probably not. Which, like, I kind of liked being able to have that variation where, like, not everything that was a Marvel movie necessarily had to fit into the MCU PG-13-ness, you know? Man, so. I'll be honest. Like, I, I don't, like, 
I don't think it's a good idea to have one company monopolizing all of the media, you know? Yeah, and I, I've seen people be like, well, Marvel owns all the characters in the comics, and it's like, yeah, but, like, Marvel comic, like, there's a difference between, like, having a comic book company owning, like, all the different, like, teams that are working on these books, and also, like, multi-billion dollar fucking movie company that's like, you have to make this movie, like, like, there is so much more money on the table, which restricts the creativity a lot, unfortunately. Yeah. I actually do hope, though, that they carry on making some, like, I think Thor Ragnarok, you can tell they gave this guy, I keep forgetting his name, uh, you can tell they gave him a little more creative wiggle room. Part of me wonders if that happened after the whole Ant-Man fiasco with Edgar Wright. Mm, yeah. Um, which is a shame, because I want I would think I would have liked that movie a lot more than whatever the fuck they... I didn't care much for Ant-Man, honestly. I thought it was okay, but... Yeah, I mean, I remember watching it and, like, not disliking it when I watched it, but, like, it didn't stay with me at all. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like that's the thing with so many, like, remember what I was talking about Doctor Strange, where it's like, it's fine, it's just another one of these, you know, like, yeah. so many of them fall into that category. <laughs> um, I, I do hope, though, that this is kind of maybe a sign that maybe they're starting to give people a little more wiggle room. Uh, Black Panther looks interesting, and it sounds like maybe they're giving that guy a little more space to do what he wants to, which seems cool. But we'll see. Yeah. I can't wait for Avengers 3 and 4 to just completely suck and, like, cause the worst, like, backlash of all time. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like 2, so... So the only thing is, at least, at least Jossie Boy ain't working on 3 and 4. I don't dislike Joss Whedon. <laughs> That's the thing. Eh, whatever. I feel like a lot well, of... Let, let, me, let me rephrase that. I don't like... I don't dislike Josh Whedon's work. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. Um, but um, I think a lot of Two's problems may, might be... I think they're half Jossie, Jossie Joss, and I think the other half is Marvel. Marvel. Uh, we'll see. I don't know why I'm five again. Let me grab my, do- my drinky winky. Because, yeah. like, okay, the thing with Age of Ultron is, like, I feel like you just shoved it, you crammed too much shit into one movie, but then also, too, you have Black Widow being like, I can't be pregnant, so I'm a monster. And like, Ooh, woof, Joss, please. Uh, there's some weird shit in there. Yeah. Fake Grand Order is a mobile game. <laughs> that was that was from the chat in case anyone listening it to this. It was from the chat from when I was talking about Heaven's Feel. <laughs> I like the chat dynamic for this. This is good. We need to do this more often. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Talk about that hack. Jesus Christ. Oh, fucking dot hack. Are y'all ready for this bullshit? Yeah. So, Dot Hack GU Last Recode came out. So you had to rewatch the prequel anime. Well, so that's the thing, Rosin. I wasn't going to. I booted up GU One Rebirth, and I went, "Yeah, this is what I remember." But man, like that that game starts more confusing than I remember, because it's like. Oh man, this character, it, it like you you meet the main character and then it skips 6 months ahead and the main character is like trying to avenge someone that you don't know 
and like you have no emotional connection to this person he clearly cares about. You don't know what happened. You don't know the person that he's talking to on this bridge. You don't know anything. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, this is this is a rougher start than I thought. And then it one day It starts in the desert with him with that scythe fighting people, right? After the time skip, yeah. Okay. It like it starts with him making his character getting PK'd. Oh yeah. And then it skips like Which six Roots months later. Also covers right. That's the funny thing. Roots mostly skips over that. Okay. Um, God, this is so confusing. You you understand what happened in Roots? In Roots, it just cuts to him like on the ground and being like a go pikud. Um. But yeah, so I'm sitting here like, man, I don't remember it starting off this bad. Like, it, not bad and like not good, just bad and like a. You don't know who any of these people are. You don't know why you should care. And then you get introduced to all new characters. Um, so one day, I was, like, a couple hours into the game. I've, I've been working a lot lately. Like, work is really kicked up for me. And I was just kind of tired on my day off and didn't feel like playing a video game. And I went, fuck it. I'm just going to rewatch all the Roots. Um, I I loved .hack Roots. Like, you know, I mean, it was, like, ten years ago now, you know. Um, same with Fate, honestly. Hmm. But, um... Nah, Fate's a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, I loved Roots when it first aired. I watched it in Japanese. This time I watched the dub, just because I was being lazy. <laughs> um, <sighs> um, you've seen Dot .hack Roots before, right? Yeah. What do you remember about Dot .hack Roots? I remember many episodes that were very long-winded. I remember Haseo being angsty... I remember the ending, and I remember the cat girl. So, Dot Hack Roots, a little rougher around the edges than I necessarily remembered. <laughs> I kind of figured. Um, there are so many characters that don't need to be in that show. And it's baffling because they keep introducing them. Like... Halfway through that show, they just start introducing more characters that don't matter and don't do anything, <laughs> but they focus on for entire episodes of them, like, I'm going to follow Haseo. I'm going to be the character that follows Haseo. And, and look at that, like, oh, oh, man. It is very clearly a show that is, like, stalling for time constantly and just trying to throw in as much filler as possible. Maybe it should have been 13 episodes and not 25 or 26 or whatever the fuck it is. And if it had been 13 episodes, it would have actually probably been pretty good. But here's the thing. So there are parts of Roots that I still liked, and I do feel having a little bit of context for who characters like Shino and Ovan are makes going into GU a lot more tolerable. But I had a revelation while playing GU mm -hmm. and trying to trying to view it from the point of view of someone that never went through Roots. Because there was one part where the way a flashback in GU depicts something from Roots is completely different from how Roots did it. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird, but whatever. And then I realized that that's how GU1 was written without Roots in mind. Yeah. And they actually meant for you to not know who any of those characters are. Because the revelation of what happened and how it happened is part of the hook. 
And the big moment towards the end where Ovon tells Adelie what went down is supposed to be when you figure out what went down. And that is a very interesting thing that I never realized. I don't think it works very well because it still has the problem of you have absolutely no connection to the main character's quest at all. <laughs> but it's interesting. Um... And it left me in a situation where I honestly, truly don't know whether it's better with or without Roots. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I feel like I'm too in there to really know. Yeah. But I feel like there's equal amounts of pros and cons to both. I mean, I'll never know either because, like, I watched Roots and I didn't realize there was a game to go along with it until my friend was like, hey, I bought this .gu game, and then I watched him play through th the three of them. <laughs> like, a few, like, I want to say it was like a full year after I had watched Roots. It's even worse, too, because, like, you, you said that Haseo was, like, angsty in Roots, but, like, he's insufferable in GU1. Yeah. And not, like, being angsty, just being a complete asshole. Like, the most snotty teenager you've ever seen. And, like, I feel like he's better in Roots. Because like, <laughs> in Roots, he's just kind of moody and distant. And then gets, like, angsty towards the end. Man. What, what episode of how many episodes does the scene you posted to Twitter happen at? The scene I posted the Twitter, I want to say I think it's in 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because episode 13 is when the big turning point happens. So I want to say what I posted the Twitter is probably 14. He, he posted a clip of the dub of, of Haseo getting very moody at a waterfall. It's, uh, it's certainly some great A voice acting. And writing, let's be real. Why did you betray us when we needed you most? Where are you? Ooh, it's good. Um, yeah. So, I don't know, man. I still feel like if you really, if you really, really, really want to, like, have a bit more context going into GU, watch, watch, well, try to watch Roots up until episode 13 and then stop. You do not need anything past 13 at all. Yeah. Um, someone asked uh, who would win, Haseo or Kirito. Uh, the actual answer is probably Kirito, but Haseo is a way better character. So nice. What about when Haseo goes into his Exith form? So that's the thing about Haseo. Like I say, he starts off really bad. The entire point of the GU arc is supposed to be watching him as a person grow up and like evolve, and it's a much more shonen anime coming of age story. And I feel like by the end of the third game, he's a pretty good character. Yeah. And I, I like the... I like the resolution he reaches at the end of the third game. Because, like, hey, man, Shino's not so great of a person. Can't wait for the fourth arc, or fourth part that they I, added to fuck everything up. Well, man, I'm really excited to see what the hell that is. Apparently, it's only, like, two or three hours long, but, like, I, I need to replay through the trilogy to get there. Yeah. Um, other than that, like, I, I plan on talking, like, I don't know if I'm gonna do, like, a blog post or something, I don't know, but, uh... Make I plan another on talking, video. I'm, I might make another video do about, it. like, Last Recode when I finish it. 
But, like, just some, like, quick, like, GU-only things, I'll say, like, the it is more low-budget than I remember, but the HD conversion's actually really nice. Like, it looks good for, like, a PS2 mid-budget game, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that's pretty, uh, the only thing that's pretty weird about it is that, like, I didn't remember that most of the dialogue in GU is just, like, the character models doing, like, no, it's, the character models are there, and it's voice acted, but the models are just kind of standing, like, blank face doing one of, like, four poses, and, like, their mouths aren't moving and everything. There are parts of that game that aren't voice acted, though, right? Most of it is voice acted, but some oh, of it's not. Okay. Yeah, most, most of it's voice acted. But the thing is, man, so, like, I guess the big budget they wanted to spend on is whenever they wanted to have a line that was really important or really dramatic, they would cut to, like, better animated cutscenes. <laughs> like, you know how Final Fantasy X would do their big moments in better animation? The, the, yeah. So imagine if instead of that, and they did it for, like, a single line of dialogue in the middle of a cutscene and then went back to the normal animation. hmm So, like, it'll be... It'll be, like, three characters standing around just, like, doing a couple poses as dialogue happens. And then, it like, someone will be like, but that's not how it really happened. But, like, that is fully animated. The lips are moving. They're doing a <laughs> dramatic pose. The animation is ten times better. And then the next line cuts back to, like, this static like character models standing around Ah. Mm, yeah it's pretty weird but uh you can very clearly tell that is a mid-budget it's not low budget it's a mid-budget ps2 rpg i Uh, um yeah i think i think i referenced this earlier i i actually want to get more into the imoc stuff like i know sign and imoc aren't really related but like well they are but not not it's super connect- like well, it's, it's not like roots to GU it's a lot less in, in so not in terms of the characters but in terms of the plot yes yeah. so like the the like without giving a whole lot away for anyone that would fucking care but like uh the villain and like the stuff that they introduced in sign is what Imok carries on you know mm. like the story about aura and stuff so i would say Sign before IMOC is a pretty decent idea if I'm if Sign is the kind of show people would like, but Sign is very different. So Generation One dot hack was a little before my time. Yeah, I mean I was pretty young for it, you know, like yeah. So I um I'm curious because I've heard bits and pieces of it, and I know that they apparently haven't aged the greatest, but I I do want to try them out, and I think I want to do that before I go into GU stuff again. Yeah. They really, really, like, just in terms of the IMOC games themselves, they have not aged well at all. Um, in terms of the gameplay. In terms of the story stuff, I still like them a lot, but they're rough. <laughs> if I can get through Rido, I can get through. No. No. Oof. Really? <laughs> really? That's not great. <laughs> Here's the thing, man. Rido is one game. Oh, that is true. IMOC is four rpgs and half of it is like filler grinding yeah that's a shame yeah but i like 
I'm really happy I played those games when I was a kid, and I really found them rewarding. So I'm not saying that they're not worth playing, just that it's rough. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is. There is a very clear reason why they remastered GU and not IMOC, because one of those would need a lot more work than the other. Yeah. That being said, GU Rebirth 1, I still really enjoyed it. I'm into the second game now, but uh, a lot more of that game is like arena, like, arc thing that I wasn't really crazy about, but it's fine. That's it for my, my dot .hack update. Should we continue alternating, or... Uh, yeah, man. I mean, you know. You can talk about, like, inferior platformers if you want. Okay, so let's talk about Sonic Forces. No, fuck you. Ha, got you. I didn't play Sonic Forces, actually. Let's talk about Super Mario Odyssey. So... We'll never talk about Sonic Forces. (laughs) I've played a little bit more Super Mario Odyssey. I'm about, like... I don't know if I want to say three-fourths yet, but, like, you know, five-eighths, somewhere around there, I guess. Um, I think that Super Mario Odyssey is a fine game. I think in a few more months after the honeymoon phase is over, I think that this is going to be knocked down a peg in the sense that I think that this is definitely going to be one of the games where people are going to argue, okay, do we like 64 Galaxy or this one the best? Because for a little while after it came out, people were like, this is easily the best one. Um, But I also think that that game's problems, that when they do pop up, become more apparent the more you spend time with it. Um, And also, some things are just different that aren't, like, they're not bad, they're just different in a way that it's just a personal preference thing. One thing that actually really took some, like, mental adjustment is, um... So, like, you know how, like, in 64, you need so many power stars before you can open up the, like, red doors to different parts of the mansion, right? Yeah. Okay, so... Imagine that, but, like, in Odyssey, every time you get to a new world, you need to get about 20 uh, moons or whatever... And then you can move on to the next world. The problem is there are so many moons that that is like maybe 20 to 30, maybe 40 minutes of gameplay. And then you're along to the next area. It's really weird because I think that the main story of this Mario game, or like, I don't even want to say story, but like, you know what I mean? Like the main quest of this Mario game is taking you through a tour of all of the different worlds Mm. and then you can go back and get all of the shit. Yeah. It's really weird, and, like, it's not what I was expecting. I think it's pretty neat, but also, too, it's like, hey, if you spend this much time in this desert planet getting all 69 power moons, you're gonna burn yourself out. You need, like, you're gonna want to move on eventually sort of thing. Um, so it feels like you're getting, like, an appetizer, you know, like a little, like, palate cleanser, like, of each different area and then you can go back and explore more and do all the different side stuff. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. Um, I like it. I'm still having a lot of fun. I'm really struggling with whether or not I think this game needed to have 900, allegedly, and I think there's even more than that of these moons. Because some of them just come down to, and I'm sorry, but like it's literally, hey, ground pound this part of the world. Um... 
and I like I feel like I'm I feel like part of that is just there to give like kids and maybe people that are not as good at platforming a way to progress throughout the game and actually beat the game. But also too, from what I know, you don't unlock shit later. Like the like, because you know how like Mario games they do this stuff where like the more hard or like challenging areas are locked away after you beat the game and after getting enough collectibles. So I'm a little conflicted because I want to get these moons so I can unlock that shit. But also, a lot of those moons aren't necessarily always the most fun. They're just a little time-consuming. Um, part of me almost wishes that maybe there were half the amounts of moons and there was just a little bit more thought or, like, more effort required to get them. Because you are, like, tripping over moons when you explore these worlds, and I it starts to lose its joy after a little bit, I feel. Yeah, I've, I I definitely, like, I haven't played it more than that demo still, but I, I what what you're saying sounds like, yeah, I'd rather there be less and have each one feel special. Um, there There's a Twitter account going around that's just, like, got a power moon for doing, like, minute life thing, and it's so funny because it's so fucking true. Because, like, some of them are, some of them might as well be like, oh, you you walked through this bush and <laughs> you just found, you know, like some of them are really, really like, Oh, you don't need to try for this at all. Um, that being said, it's still really fun. Some of the hat powers are hit or miss, but they're mostly hit. So that's good. Some of the worlds are actually smaller or like, there's actually a lot of like size variation throughout the worlds. Like they, it doesn't feel like there's one uniform size or layout to the worlds, which is really great. Um, cause there's a few that are a little, little tinier than others. Um, I do think that, um, this is the best boss fighting we've had in Mario. Cause Mario tends to be. Yeah. Even the not, 2D ones, the bosses are very like, you know, they kind of feel like they're an obligation sometimes. Except for the last bosses are usually okay. Especially yeah. in Mario world. Yeah. So I'm enjoying it. Um, I've been saying this a, a little bit on Twitter. I feel like this is definitely the Breath of the Wild of Mario. I think it gets away with it a little bit less than Zelda did. Um, <laughs> oh, fuck you. I know. But, like, honestly, like, it feel And this is actually one of the thoughts I've been having. I'm curious to see what Metroid Prime 4 looks like. I mean, do we know if that's being developed in-house by Nintendo or not? Not yet. Because it seems to be what a lot of people are assuming, since they didn't say that it was retro. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, 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 I'm really wondering, because it feels like this is going to be their thing for a while now. And hey, I like Mario Odyssey and Zelda a lot, but also, too, I wouldn't mind, like... I wouldn't mind, like, a new Super Mario Bros. Switch or something a little more traditional from them coming out soon, too, you know? Yeah, I mean, I feel like they felt that they wanted to have a big 3D Mario, you know? Yeah, and honestly, like, hey, this is good, so... Because, honestly, I, I think a lot of it, too, is they they kicked off the Wii U with a lot of safe choices, and I feel like they wanted to do the opposite for the Switch. Like, and even like, 3D I, World is, like, just 3D yeah. land but bigger, you know? <laughs> Yeah, but even then, if they had started with 3D World instead of new Super Mario's U, it would have been a lot better. Yeah. I still need but, to play that. I've heard really good things about... About what? New Super Mario Brothers U. Oh, really? Because it's pretty generic. Oh. 
it's the same thing as all the other new games. Yeah, I I like them though. Well, I didn't like two from what I played of it, but like I I liked Wii and the first one a lot more than I think yeah. most people do. I mean, then you'll like this the exact same amount. Yeah, and you know it's been a, it's been long enough for me to go in for another one of those. You know, I've had a long yeah. enough break, so I, I I didn't hate it. I enjoyed my time with it, but it's one of those things where I finished it and I was like, I wonder if I would have gotten more enjoyment out of just replaying worlds. You know? Yeah. Um, I've been I've been actually that, doing I mean, that a, I've been doing that a little bit because I just have the SNES Classic still hooked up. Yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. video game. I still that's prefer three. Best. No, I like World the best. Oh, that's fine. I still prefer three, but like World is good. World is very good. Yeah, that like I've said before, I'm not the world's biggest Mario fan anyway. So I I like them, but you know. Yeah, you're more of a Sonic boy. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, I have to talk about Sonic because in the chat, Ninto, like, demanded it. Yeah, demanded. He said, I will unsubscribe if you, if you don't, don't talk, talk about, about Sonic. Sonic. Specifically the Forces slash Mania connection. So that's yeah. the thing. How accurate were your, were your investigative leaks <laughs> from last episode? Because from what I can see, they seem mostly true. Rosin? Yeah? I have... A full page oh. of documentation to talk about for Sonic Forces. Oh, this okay. is the most in-depth Ooh, and serious. <laughs> this is the most serious in-depth moment that WAF will ever have. Okay. And everyone in the in the chat and everyone watching at home on YouTube, because fuck what I just said. Um, I am sorry. But yes, there will be full Sonic Forces spoilers in this podcast from here on out. Okay, go ahead. So, I'm going to go cover ahead. myself up with the blanket before we hey, get you, a little... You get ready. You get okay. ready. Okay. So in the previous episode of We Are Finally Podcast, I reported on Sonic Forces leaks. And I said that all of the villains are illusions created by the Phantom Ruby, mm-hmm. including Infinite. There is a reason, there is a very, very singular reason why the leak said that. Mm -hmm. And it is because Infinite's backstory is included in the Day 1 Episode Shadow free DLC. (laughs) Yes. So. What a weird place to throw it in. Well, Rosin, I think there's a reason for that. Oh, dear. So let's talk a little bit about Sonic Forces, shall we? Okay. Um, They're torturing Sonic. Mm, okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to get some things out of the way up front. If you've, if you've never joined us on here before. I like Sonic the Hedgehog. I'm not one of the weird fans, but I am a fan. Have we ever um, told them about, like, the 4am argument that, like, our, our collective group of friends had? I think we might have referenced it. I'm not sure. There was just a period where, like, there... Uh, the too long didn't read is that there were nine people in a Skype call arguing about Sonic-level design. It was real bad. Anyways... Specifically Sonic-level design and Sonic versus Mario. Yeah. And I said my infamous line of, man... Sonic Adventure is so much better than Mario 64. Oh, God, kill me. <laughs> um, anyway, whew, getting a little sweaty here. Yeah. Um, uh, so, 
Uh, I like Sonic Colors and I like Sonic Generations a lot. Both of those games, I think, are are a very fun way to do modern Sonic that is way better than any other modern Sonic attempt before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 3D Sonic can work, but it's going to be very different. And I really like the way that the Colors Generations boost formula blends 2D platforming with 3D, basically, roller coaster action. It You know? Um, and... Sonic Forces does that, and I will say that I enjoyed my time with Sonic Forces. Before any of the stuff I get into, I will say that I don't think it's as bad as some other people think. I'm not going to say I don't understand why some people think it's really bad, but we're not dealing with Sonic Boom, we're not dealing with Sonic 06, I think Sonic has had a lot of really bad games that, like, Sonic Forces is a okay game. It's a solid 7 out of 10, you know? That's that's my overall view on Sonic Forces. Okay. This game is unfinished. Oof. Um, How does this keep happening? So you've said that, Rob. You said that we were talking about this. Yes. And here's the thing. It is unfinished in a way that is completely different. From any other Sonic game. <laughs> so you you look at something like Sonic 06 and Sonic Boom. And those games are very clearly unfinished. But it's the full game. It's just buggy and unpolished. Yeah. This game is not buggy. And it's not unpolished. It just feels like half a game. <laughs> so you know how they introduce the villains by being like. Alright here are the Sonic's rogue galleries. Here are your boss fights going to be. We got Chaos, Shadow, we got uh, Metal Sonic, Zavok, and Infinite. You never fight Chaos or Shadow. What? You just never fight them. They never are fought. And it feels like they should have been. They just never got around to finishing I was actually, bosses. I was actually curious what the fuck they were going to do with Chaos. They oh. just didn't get around to it. Nice. <laughs> Rosin, the levels are fun. They're all about a minute and a half long. <laughs> Just when it gets going, it's over. Mm. And I enjoyed, like, Sonic games are, you're meant to replay the levels. And to be fair, this game has 30 levels. So it's about the same volume of content. But the fact that they all feel like unfinished half levels hurts it a lot. Yeah. Because you start getting in the groove and it's back to the main menu, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a bummer. Like, honestly, I would have really preferred, even if they still didn't finish it, I would have rather of them just combined all the levels and have 15 levels that are twice as long. You know? Yeah. Um, so, let's talk about Infinite. Let's okay. talk about the story, Rosin. Okay. The story is the biggest disappointment. <laughs> and I say that because... So, Rosin, you had expectations? Here's the thing. Yes. Why? And I think everyone else did too. So, so hear me no. out on this. Yes, they did, Rosin. Everyone's expectation was for this 
to be one of the really dumb ones. Okay, yes, okay. The expectation was, like, we're gonna get Shadow the Hedgehog again. We're gonna get Sonic 06 again. Yeah. And this weird thing happened where people were excited for it. Yeah. That's not what this is. This is the same thing as all the previous Modern Sonic games. Like, they throw in a couple of lines that are, like, the ones you see on Twitter of, like, nothing's good about this vector, that's why it's called war. And they'll (laughs) casually mention that, like, Sonic has been tortured. But then when you see Sonic, he's just the same, like, oh, man, this is boring, I'm out of here, you know? (laughs) The tone is so... So inconsistent, and then just nothing happens with the story, and it's like, it's just kind of boring kids' cartoon stuff again. And, like, that's probably better for the game, but, man, I really wanted it to be dumber than it is. (laughs) Like, oh. Anyway. Yeah, no, don't worry, guys, I'm not gonna dwell on it for all that much longer. But I did want to... Come back to the infinite thing. Yes. Oh, before that, I will say, um, the Avatar stuff is actually fine. Um, I had fun making intentionally bad OCs that I posted to Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually, I think, out of all the characters, really enjoy the Avatar's gameplay the most. Um, Modern Sonic is the same as he was in Colors, just with slightly less good level design. Um... Classic Sonic is the same as he is in Generations, and it's an embarrassment that he's here when Mania came out this year, you know? Yeah. A boy was Sonic Team upstaged, you know? Yeah. Um, but the Avatar... So a lot of people's complaints with Modern Sonic in the Boost games is that, like, it's fine, but the fact that you can hit square to just... They call it boost to win, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the Avatar plays just like Modern Sonic, only he can't boost and has, like, a little weapon instead. And I think it actually slows down the Modern Sonic gameplay enough to feel pretty fun. Um, I liked it. Anyway, Infinite. Um, you ready for Infinite's backstory? Yeah. Let's go. Okay. So, Infinite is a mercenary. Okay. That is hired by Eggman to defend a base in the forest. And he's defending that base until Shadow shows up. Mm-hmm. And beats him in, like, two hits. Mm-hmm. And then Shadow says, you're pathetic and weak. Never show your face again. Or, like, never show your face to me again or something like that. So Infinite starts having, like, a hissy fit going, I'm not weak, I'm not weak. And then goes, that's the day that I put on the mask and gained the power to become infinite. Uh, Oh. Yeah. So is he just like a normal like hedgehog thing before and then gained? Yeah. Superpowers? Yeah, that's all you get. They don't tell you. Okay. He was a mercenary. He was defeated by Shadow. And then something happened... And he got the Phantom Ruby's power. Nice. The implication is, I guess, Eggman created the Phantom Ruby and put it on Infinite? But you never see that. 
This Nintempo's I'm not weak, I'm not weak, Infinite continues to insist as he transforms into a corn cop. That's solid. Um, yeah. One of those things, really, really don't think that uh, they finish this game. That's a shame. Because the thing is, they never show Infinite's face in that shadow flashback, as if they're going to have a big reveal later, but you just never see it in the main game either. Oh. Um, now, do you think there will be more DLC? I think there might have been before the game came out, but that's... Mm, I think they're probably going to want to write this off. Okay. Um, so there are three boss fights with Infinite. And the first two are really good. Um, Infinite has a really interesting mechanic that I... It's actually, like, something that I've, I've... Sure, I've seen before, but... So, Infinite's ability is that he can create, like, illusions and make them real for the person that sees them. Mm-hmm. So, he has this dumb, like... Maybe you've seen it in, like, trailers and gameplay footage, but he's got, like, this red square thing. Where it's, like, a bunch of red squares. Yeah. Um. So, during his boss fights, he throws that out at you. And if you get hit by it, it doesn't hurt you... Or, like, it might hurt you, but that's not the main thing. When you get hit by it, you get hit by the illusions. And it changes the boss fight to be harder. So if you get hit by that attack, suddenly for, like, ten seconds, there'll be, like, spikes covering the ground or guns shooting at you or something. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's an interesting mechanic, and I was really excited to see what they did with it as it went on. And there's, like, one stage where Infinite, like is in the stage with you, messing with you, but then it never actually does anything. It just, like, makes you flip upside down once. And then you get to the third infinite boss fight, and it's a reskin of the Metal Sonic fight. Hmm. Down to, like, the same exact attacks. And it's like, oh, you didn't finish it. (laughs) And then you fight, like, the final boss against Eggman, and it's, like, a reskin of, like, a Sonic Colors boss. And it's like, oh. Oof. Okay. When your final, final boss is a reused thing from a previous... Ooh, that's... So, uh, that's it. As for the Mania connection, uh, yeah, Mania is still an illusion. Um, classic Sonic just kind of disappears. I don't know if, he, like, he's not an illusion. I guess he goes back to his world. He's now from an alternate dimension instead of being the past. And also, when you defeat Infinite, he just disappears. And then they imply that there are a bunch of Illusion Infinites later, so I don't know. Classic Sonic doesn't talk, right? No, he doesn't. Do they acknowledge that in the fiction? Yes. Nice. But they don't acknowledge that the Avatar doesn't talk, because they do the Lassie thing of, like, Knuckles will be talking to the Avatar, the Avatar will nod his head, and Knuckles go, What? You've gotta go! Now, is Classic Sonic... a? being that exists in like is is classic sonic just sonic from 10 years ago or is like so he was in generations but in this one they just say oh it's that sonic from an alternate dimension so there's now a sonic split timeline yes okay good yes that's good that's real Uh good so that's that's my Sonic Forces update that I promised last week. Maybe Did I'll, you all like it? I liked it. Maybe I'll pick it up when it's three dollars. 
Don't. Oh. Oof. How'd you feel about colors? Um, I didn't care for it, honestly. Then you will hate this. Okay, yeah. It is It is less good colors. Okay, okay. Ah. <laughs> uh. I, I yeah. like it for, God, ten years ago I would have eaten this shit up. Yeah, like... That's the thing, like, it, it's not... I don't think you would have, because it doesn't feel good. It just fe- like, it's just confusing and unfinished and nothing adds up. <laughs> so, to be fair, I have seen some out... Like, I don't want to say outcry, but I have seen some things being written by people that are like, hey, I bought this for my kid and they're, like, eating it up. Start, like they love it and like they love making their own little Sonic and stuff like yeah I, guess. I think maybe that's also the thing too where like hey when I was younger it took me a little bit of playing heroes to be like wait this is bad actually like you know like man if, I, I, I still liked heroes as a kid you know <laughs> yeah like I think kids are a little like kids probably don't even realize the levels are that short compared to other you know what I mean like they don't yeah. have that sense yet. They they just are taken in by the characters and, you know... Yeah, sure, sure. Everything, so... Yeah. And like I said, I, th- there are parts of this game I really did enjoy. It, it's got that same spectacle, you know? Yeah. It's fun. But, like, if this had been $60, I would have felt really ripped off. There's Gamma in it. Or Omega. Omega's in it, yeah. Hell Yeah. Shout out! They're to all they're all in there. I think I think pretty much everyone but Blaze makes it in. To be honest, Rouge Cream. Oh, one thing I will say about playing this game. So, like, I mean, fuck this. Like, even when I thought it would be cringy and bad, like, fuck the actual idea of having a Sonic story like Big, this. Big Froggy. Um, Big's not in. So there's an option oh, fuck in the main. This game. Anyways, there, there's an option in the options menu to turn off the radio chatter. Do yourself a favor if you ever play Sonic Forces and make sure you turn off the radio chatter because, boy, is it way better playing this game without all the Sonic friends talking every five seconds. (laughs) But then you miss out on the exposition and world building. Yeah, you miss out on such great lines like, man, Green Hill's looking a lot more like Sand Hill right about now. (laughs) No, that's great. Yeah. (laughs) The idea of Green Hill Zone becoming part, like, a battleground. It's so... Yeah. Like, just imagine, oh. like, mortar shells destroying the loop-de-loop, you know? That's, enough, that's something else I forgot to talk about. Sorry, one more one more bit okay. to the Sonic Forces segment of the podcast. Um, So do you... So, like I said, there are 30 levels, but, like, there's only, like, a small handful of locations. Mm-hmm. You get, like five or six green hill levels um do you know what the zones are no so you get about five or six green hill you get a like about four chemical plant you get a couple of death eggs you get a couple of ruined cityscape and that's about it (laughs) nice yep (laughs) there's like nothing original in terms of levels that's it's, good. It's all old shit or just like generic cityscapes. Uh, really glad Sonic Mania came out this year. Yeah. So. So. Let's. Where, where do we go from here? We can. We can. Do we all flip a coin? What? 
Do we want to flip a coin? Because there are two options ahead of us. Oh, no, no, no. Just, we'll just do yours. <laughs> uh, okay. So I've been playing a indie game by the name of Heat Signature. I found this game through Take a Shot, Waypoint Podcast. Uh, before it came out, Austin Walker was playing it for... I'm not sure if it was for review or preview. Probably preview. Um, and said good things about it. And the way he described it, it sounded extremely my shit. I added it to my wish list, kind of forgot about it. It came out, Giant Bomb did a quick look on it. I normally don't watch Giant Bomb stuff, I kind of just listen to their podcasts. Um, I'm kind of half and half on their video stuff. Um, and I picked it up, and I was like... Or I watched the video, and I was like, oh yeah, this really does look like my shit. So I bought it, and then I played about an hour of it. And I was like, this is neat. But then I got busy. Uh, two Best Friends Play did a video on it, and it's like, yeah, I should get back around to that. So, through all of these combinations of the different influencers that I watch, <laughs> I finally gave Heat Signature a go. I think I've put in about 20 hours as of this podcast. That really snuck its way into my Game of the Year list. I like it a lot. Basically, what it is, is it's Hotline Miami, but with a inventory system and super hot slowdown uh where you hijack or steal shit or kill people within uh FTL style spaceships. So this game has a very simple gameplay loop. You get one of four char- so you don't generate any characters um which is interesting. You are given four pre-named like characters that are um have every character basically has a first and last name that's randomly generated and they're pretty good. The first character that I quote-unquote, like, beat the game with was called Revelation Hightower. Big fan of this game's random random uh, character name generator. So, the core gameplay loop is you select your character and you start out with a personal mission that that character needs to um, do. Basically, basically, every character has a personal mission that you need to uh, complete. And it varies from, I need to, like, steal this important, like, government thing and then sell it on the black market for uh, getting my family out of debt. Or it could be, like, I need to rescue a family member or, like, significant other who got kidnapped or is being held hostage by one of the factions in the world. Or I need to assassinate this guy who killed my wife. Or, like, there's so many different reasonings and, like, different mission objectives that you need to do. Uh, But before that, you need to basically... So, basically, there's... You need to pay to find out where the ship is, where your personal objective is. So you need to take these odd jobs for this rebel faction that's... uh, kind of spawned within the galaxy. and The galaxy is randomly generated, too, I should say, by the way. Though you never really go to planets, it's just different space stations that are controlled by four different factions. And I think the factions are a constant. Like, there's always, like, the Foundry, which, like, are, like, really, like, heavy, like, industrial, off-world security, which are basically the... Like, it's basically this government of, like, space cops. Um... And they're all at war with each other, and they're all terrible people, so this rebellion starts up that to be like, hey, fuck these guys, let's start taking over their shit and making, like, just let's take over the galaxy and start something better. Let's unify the galaxy. Um, so, 
you take odd jobs that can just be like, go kill everyone on this ship, go steal a thing from this ship. Uh, and it's actually kind of fun because you're given this shitty little pod that you basically need to ram into other people's ships and then break in, like... You know the start of episode four? You basically need to do that. <laughs> um, where like you Star like, Wars? Yeah. Right. Where, like, you have, like, the little pod that, like, latches onto the enemy ship and then you blow a hole through it. Well, you don't really blow a hole because, like, it, you basically just attach onto their airlock and then you break in that way. Um, so cool. Yeah. Airlock. Well, like, you know at the start of uh, A New Hope, where the Empire breaks in through the door? Okay. From the pod? It's like that. So, I'll be honest, you said that, and, like, for some reason my brain started thinking of the Phantom Menace, and I'm like, wait, the yes, part with, episode like, the gas? Yes, the Phantom Menace. Or... L- listen, man, it's... it's. I'm, I'm still thinking about Sonic, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this, like, this all sounds a lot more complex than it actually ends up being. The basic gist of it is you're doing wacky space hijinks, and, uh, it's loot-based. Uh, different ships will give you different, um... Like, different ships have different, like, rooms that have, like, little chests that contain different, uh, items that you can use to make your life easier. Uh, all of the ships run on the Metal Gear Solid-style keycard level system. Hmm. Uh... Though, like, I, I think in Metal Gear, though, like, if you have a level 5 key card, it, it can only open a level 5 door. Like, oh, you mean the Metal Gear 1? Yeah. Okay. No, but in this game, they're tiered. So if you steal a level 5 key card, you're good for level 4, 3, 2, and 1 as well. That's a much better way of handling than, hold on, let me try all eight of my key cards on this door and see yeah. which one works. And also, they do a very convenient thing that I think... I think this is how it works, but I couldn't be sure. But I think that if something happens where you end up getting fucked, the doors will just unlock automatically. Like, if there is no possible way for where you are located to get a level 3 card, the the game will just be like, eh, <laughs> let's just save you the hassle. Um, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, but it's very interesting... It's, it has a very dynamic difficulty system in the sense that, like, the basic missions that you take are very easy, but they don't pay very well. And you can just work your way up to paying off who you need to pay off to get to your personal revenge mission that way. Or you can do the thing where someone's like, hey, I need you to assassinate this one guy, but make sure that literally no one sees you and that no alarms are pulled. Um... Or I need I need you to rescue this person who is on a ship that is currently being bombarded by another ship. So you're teleporting or, like, you know, moving throughout the ship. And, like, you're about to enter a room and then a mortar shell hits that room and the room is just hard space now. And you're like, well, guess I gotta find another way around. <laughs> um, it's a lot of fun. The different random loot that you get is really great. Uh, and also, too, uh, your home base has different shops, and there's an, actually a shop that literally um, has a loot crate. It's it's basically called, like, overpriced loot crate or something like that, and it varies in price, and it will always give you a random item, and that's how you get the better shit in the game, is you have to buy them through that crate. Um, I managed to get a grenade launcher that shoots out five grenades that as soon as they touch something blow up but they don't kill people they stun them 
So that character's game plan immediately became, I'm going to take a shit ton of pacifist missions and just blow up, stun everyone on the ship, and then do what I need to do. <laughs> it's a blast. I like it a lot. Um, the end game gets pretty ridiculous. Uh, where when you finally do get to your personal mission, like, almost everyone has armor or shields, and you really need to MacGyver some solutions or you're just going to die. Um, one thing I do really like, though, is it has a very passive multiplayer system where, um, I start up that game and sometimes I get a character that I can play as, and their personal mission is to rescue my Steam friend's captured player character which is really cool. Also, when you... So, basically, if you have a character that completes their personal mission, you're allowed to play through. Um, but in a meta sense, you're, that character's kind of done because um, once your character becomes, like, a legend in the eyes of those who live on the battlefield, I was saying I, something different. F- fuck you. I was saying something different, but then, like, it came to me, I could do the MGS5 meme. Um... No, once your character completes so many missions, because, um, like, once again, you're doing a personal mission, but you're also helping out this rebellion to conquer the galaxy. Your character's actual progress to help out with that structure um, is diminished, because the game doesn't want you to stick with one character. It wants you to constantly be re-rolling and taking on different characters and solving their personal missions. Mm-hmm. So you just retire that character, and one thing that they let you do is they say, hey, select one of the items that this character owned, and then it'll be, it'll be called, like, Revelation's High, Revelation High Tower's, like, Grenade Launcher. And that item becomes a random drop that is seeded throughout the world. So you can find your previous character's shit on, like, a random ship somewhere and be like, oh, this is the really cool thing I had last time. And you can, and your Steam friends can find it, and also you can find your Steam friends really cool shit. Like, um, one of my Steam friends had a character who had a, like, and also that's another thing. So there's, like, different types of teleporters that, like, there aren't really true teleporters from what I can tell. Like, there's one that's called a visitor, and what it does is it lets you teleport to a place for three seconds, and then you go back to your original location. But that's really good for, like, say you need to assassinate a guy who's surrounded by guards. You can teleport in, shoot him, and then you'll poof back to the other room that you were in, and then you can run away. Um, But one of my Steam friends had one of those that was self-charging. And basically what that means is that, like, I could use it, and then three seconds later I would go back to where I was, but then in five seconds I could use it again. So I could constantly just be doing these temporary little tiny things from one location. (laughs) It was really weird. It's really great. Yeah, look up Heat Signature. There's some people in the chat interested. Yeah, it's definitely an indie game. It's by the people that made Gunpoint, if you've ever heard of that, which is another, like, um, game that's very heavy on, like, improv and, like, quick-thinking strategy type stuff. Um, It's... It's a shame because, like, a lot of what you're saying sounds really cool to me, but it's that first thing you said, which is, like, the base of it plays, like, Hotline Miami that, like, I completely lost all interest because I just did I didn't like Hotline Miami. It, so, what I'm curious about is what, what didn't you like about it? Because it's... The gameplay. Okay. So, <laughs> it's not fast-paced. Like, it... I, I think it's safer to say it controls, like... It, it has Hotline Miami's control structure... But if you hit spacebar, you pause time, 
and if you, more importantly, I think, you hit spacebar and you start to move and everything moves in slow motion. And also you have gadgets and shit, which will lead to things like, oh, you can lay down mines that will, like, teleport people to a place you instruct. And immediately the first thing I tried is I laid down one of those mines around a corner where some guy was about to turn, and then I selected the place I want to teleport him as is outside of the spaceship I was in. And he, sure enough, teleported into outer space. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, it's really fun. I like it a lot. It's definitely going to be in my top five, I even want to say. I I really like it. Yeah. Yeah, you've been playing it pretty often. I have been. Um... Also, too, there's one thing I really dig where, um, after you take over enough space stations owned by a faction, whatever character you're playing as gets the opportunity to, like, be the one to kind of bring it in. Um, and I think if you retire that character, it, it takes your other characters a little bit to be able to get the opportunity. But you basically eliminate factions by hijacking one of their warships and then getting into the pilot seat and then mapping the controls so that it's going to crash land into the enemy base, and then you get a message that's like, hey, you can stay on the ship if you don't mind losing this character, or we suggest you find a window to just jump out of in ten seconds. (laughs) Like, you will run into the ship, and you will go down with the ship if you stay here too long. Um... And that's another thing. So you have a pod that you can remote control, it's the one that, like... I mean, you fly it to crash into other ships so that you can do what you need to do, and then you can go back to it and jump out. Or what you can do is you can shoot out a window and then have your character be stuck, stranded in space, and have 30 seconds of oxygen, and then remote control your pod to come and pick you up. It's a lot of cool shit. Oh, also, too, you unlock these different side missions that are basically like, um... Like, (laughs) this is a weird pull, but, like, they're kind of like the Mario Sunshine, like, bonus missions. Where you're given a character that's different than yours, it has a predetermined loadout, and it's like, do this really batshit insane thing. Uh, I didn't touch too many of those, because, frankly, I think the rewards are a little too much. Like, you get a lot of good shit for completing those. Um, so I, I kind of wanted to just play with, like, the normal balance structure, but they're really fun. Like, one of them that I did was, okay, your character is stranded in space, use your shotgun to gain momentum, and then, like, go through this airlock and then hijack this ship before you run out of oxygen. (laughs) It's really cool. I like it a lot. Nice. I, that definitely sounds like something a lot of people will have a lot of fun with. Yeah. I, um, I recommend it. It's $15. Um, I think it's worth it for that. But also, too, like, you know, Steam sales. Yeah. Also, like, there's a few times it glitched out on me. Um, specifically, I noticed a few times where, like... Cause, so, what one thing is, like... There are certain mission types where if someone spots you and sounds an alarm, the ship will start flying back to a base, and there will be a countdown on the top of the screen. And if your character is still on the ship when that countdown reaches zero, your character gets captured. There were a few times where an alarm got pulled, and then it said, you have 50 seconds, and then it didn't count down. Like... I was still going to be captured in 50 seconds, but for whatever reason, the timer froze, (laughs) and that sucked. Um, 
So that was rough. But other than that, great game. But does it have infinite steam in it? No. Uh. It does not. So. VR. Oh, I was going to talk. I thought we were going to talk. No, 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 no. Next two, and then we'll go to. See, man, we need to to be poetic. We started with Heaven's Feel. We need to end with Melty Blood. Okay, okay. So, VR. Zach, I have a very grown-up problem with VR that I've determined. Tell me your grown-up problem in this podcast where we talk about Sonic the Hedgehog and Thor. Oof, that's a rough one. Oof. Oof, that one hit me in a place. Fuck. So, um, I don't want that many wires out on my floor at all times. Fair enough. Which leads me to putting the VR back in its box in my closet, and then I'll go, I just got home from work. I want to play a video game. VR would be cool. Mm, I have to take it out of the box, and then I have to clean up after myself like an adult. Yeah. So... I wrote the. I was thinking about this. Like, I'm going to talk about that on the podcast because that's a good part of the VR experience to capture, and I don't have much else to to talk about. That's what I thought. Zach, I think that when I was drunk a few nights ago, I accidentally pre-ordered Skyrim VR. <laughs> so you didn't see that tweet where I talked about this. No. Okay. No, I did not see that tweet. I've been pretty busy. <laughs> um, it, to be fair, it was only from a few hours ago. You might have been actually seeing Heaven's Feel while this was happening. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I turned on my PS4 to play what I w- I'm about to talk about, and because I was in the S category of my purchase tab, I saw that Skyrim VR was there. And I went, that's not right. So I looked at the PlayStation store and it said, you have pre-ordered this product. And it will become available when it's officially, you know, yada yada. And I went, huh. Huh. Do you know when this happened? I have a feeling I know. Uh-huh. I think it was last weekend. But Can you check your, like, bank statement? Or... I was gonna do that, but, like, I don't know when else it would have been. Okay. So. Alright. So I'll probably pop that in at some point and see what's happening. <laughs> I mean, I guess you might as fucking well. Yeah. So. Alright, Skyrim's back, everyone. I don't even like Skyrim! I know! (laughs) (sighs) So. um, Oh, the other thing I was going to talk about. So, everyone. Little behind the scenes on the Resident Evil 7 situation. So everyone... Yeah. I mean, no knows. one watched it anyway, but... Yeah, it's fine. But for the people that did... Um... You still want to stream Resident Evil 7 in VR? Um, just been poking around and doing stuff. 
I think my capture card is the reason that those first two streams where we did Kitchen in the Beginning Hour have some weird audio issues. Um, so I was originally going to buy the Gundam Wing special fancy-ass Blu-ray collection. I think I'm just going to use that money to get a new capture card. I've kind of wanted one for a little bit anyways now. Um, what really sucks, though, is... So I am so I have the Avermedia, Avermedia Live Gamer Portable, which, fuck the name, but, like, it works. Also, it has a really nice feature where you can you don't even need to have it plugged into a PC like most capture cards, and you can just record straight to an SD card, which is really nice. Um, it doesn't work great with OBS, um, which is part of the reason every time I want to stream something, I'm usually 10 minutes late, because I almost always run into variations of a different problem. Uh, because to work with OBS, you need to have this, uh, like, stream engine software that they have running in the background, and it's a pain in the ass. It fucking hates you if you use Skype or Google Chrome. It's just a mess. So, um, I've kind of wanted to do one for a while now anyways. Only problem being that the new one is HDMI only and does not have component cable support, so I need to keep my old one anyways for, like, PS2 and Wii shit. Which is a little annoying, but whatever, I can live with it. Yeah, I'm gonna do Dragon Guard 2 at some point. Yeah, exactly, actually. I was thinking about that. Um, I feel like there's like. I feel like there's composite to. I, I feel like if I look around, there's component to like HDMI converter things where I can do it anyways, but like, I, whatever. Um, worked fine for Dragon Guard 1, and it'll work fine for 2. So. Uh, but yeah, I. Um, I uh, think that Resident Evil 7 will be fun when we get around to it. Yeah, it, it's not going to be immediate anymore. It was going to be immediate, but... It was going to be immediate, but then, like, I I want that to be not having those audio issues because they're pretty bad in those yeah. first two episodes, so... Yeah. Well, that's fine. That just means that we can get to the real important stuff sooner, like Croc 2. And Legend of Dragoon. Sure. That'll be a bit, but... Also, too, actually, like... I think I want to stream Nocturne again. Oh, yeah, that's... Dude, what the fuck? You just said that live now! Oh, no, I've tweeted about it already. Yeah, but now it's not only live, but also on a podcast, so you actually have to do it. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking I would've. Um, So, here's the thing. A English translation patch came out for the Rido version of Nocturne out of fucking nowhere. Um, like, it was just kind of out one day. Uh, so I want to play through Nocturne uh, on stream and see what the Rido shit is about. I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna miss Dante. Kinda wish there was a version of the game where there was both Dante and Rido. <laughs> so, man, like, is it weird that I think Rido is cooler than Dante? I think it depends on your sensibilities. Okay. Like, hey, man, I think Dante's pretty fucking cool, but, like, I think Rido's cooler. Here's my thing. I want a Nocturne HD where it's DMC4 Dante. No, I want one where it's DMC Dante. <laughs> that would be... No, okay. Else... Can I get Shin Megami Tensei 4 PS4 HD version with DMC Dante? Yes, that that's also permissible. 
Okay. I just watched a scene where like he's he's in the labyrinth of Amala and like Metatron's there and he just goes fuck you and Metatron goes fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> but while like that law theme is playing Mainly, in the background. Mainly I want to kill the demon lord Lucifer. Uh, I'm getting support in the chat over that Rido's cooler than Dante thing. So. That's because these are goobers who don't know the beauty of Devil May Cry. Oh man, he's a fancy, fancy boy. Man, I still want to play through Devil May Cry uh, at some point for YouTube stuff too. I the problem is I'm bad at Devil May Cry and I need to become good, which will take years. But do a Let's Play Devil May Cry too. It's the one no one likes. I yeah, I don't like I don't like that game enough to ever touch that again. I don't <laughs> think. I mean, maybe like maybe actually showing. Hold, that... hold on, I think. The the man who has let's plays of Drakengard and SMT one is is drawn the line. The the man who streamed Croc is drawn the line at DMC two. I think all of those games you listed are way better than Devil May Cry two. So I'd agree. I Drakengard. Mm. I would rather play Drakengard than Devil May Cry two again. Fair enough. I okay, I should retract that. I can imagine playing Devil May Cry two on a stream in the sense of everyone that I'm streaming it with being like, "Look at how fucking bad this," because <laughs> like the gap in quality from Devil May Cry one to two is so fucking. Ooh. That's true, and even then. Devil May Cry 1 doesn't hold up as well as some people would think. It doesn't, but I mean, like, Amanda and I played through it, like, not too long ago, and we had a we had a pretty fun time with it. Um, man, that game, you can tell, had roots in being a Resident Evil game. <laughs> um, yeah. It's fascinating, but, uh, yeah, the, the combat isn't the greatest in that game, and also, I think that there are some parts of Devil May Cry 1 that I actually just think are bullshit, but that could also just be being bad. Well, anyway, I, I, yeah, no, I, I think, uh, I actually really kind of want to play through Nocturne again, too, so I might boot up that Rhydo-ROM at some point. Yeah. Uh, what happened to me possibly setting up Patreon? Uh, I don't think I'm at a point where I'm happy enough with my content output to have people giving me money for things. Maybe someday. Maybe. Maybe when you... Maybe when you're not spamming people's inboxes with a Zelda episode yeah. that no one wants. Yeah, and like shittily shot videos of me <laughs> building Gunpla. <laughs> no, dude, the Gunpla ones are good. Okay. Uh, my my room's lighting... I, I've just kind of determined that my room's lighting setup is a fucking mess, and like, oof. Especially, too, when like most of the time when I can record and like here is at night, which makes things worse. Um, so after episode 10, I'm going to be blogging about Gumpla instead of making videos, because I also want my blog to have shit, too. Rosin.zone, go there, it's where all the cool kids hang out. Yeah, so. Yeah. So. You hear that train in the background for me? No, actually. This is the one time I can't hear your background train. Oh, well. So, you know... Star uh, people Wars... Are de- people are demanding you keep it as videos, man. People are demanding what? 
People are demanding that Build and Chill continue his videos. Oh, okay. Maybe I'll do a little bit of both. Yeah, like every once in a while you can throw a special video out there for for the rabble. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, also part of it, too, is just, like, man, building with a tripod next to me can be a little annoying sometimes, <laughs> but, uh, I'd rather just take photos and then write about it, but. Yeah. I've had few people like them, though, because I wasn't sure. I so. liked them. Okay. I had to work when you did that live stream, but I tuned in every here and there. That was a really fun, chill live stream, and I want to do more stuff akin to that, I think, at some point. Yeah. I don't know what, though, but... Yeah. Um, Star Wars. Star Wars. Let's talk about Episode Four: The Phantom Menace. Yeah, so let's actually talk about Star Wars... EA's Star Wars Battlefront, parentheses, 2015. So, we yeah. are recording this podcast a few days after the release of Star Wars Battlefront 2 parentheses 2017 <laughs> yes um which has been a fucking roller coaster of events i don't know how well you've been keeping up with this sack i work at gamestop um rosin so have people been bitching to you about loot crate stuff as they buy the video game or do you not think that i've been well, well, well acquainted with the evolving story as a store that sells the loot crates. Oh, nice. Yeah. That makes sense. So, Star Wars Battlefront 2 coming out, uh, it became apparent very quickly that to get anything in that game, you would either need to spend an absurd amount of time playing, or you'd need to get lucky with their random loot crate system, or you need to buy more loot crates through microtransactions. This pissed off a lot of people. EA eventually, like, uh, collapsed under pressure, and they're like, hey, we're gonna add in all that bullshit later. <laughs> Not that they were gonna solve anything, just that they were gonna delay the bullshit. So, they said that microtransactions will return at a later date once the balance is better. Yeah, which sounds to me like bullshit um so i think i think that it's possible that they really will pull back on some of the like buying gun stuff and maybe bring it back as a more cosmetic thing mm -hmm. but it will be back yeah now did you hear the story about the uh, did you hear the story about our boy big sean six six not six just big sean six six no Ooh, you missed out, man. So while the microtransaction controversy was raging all over the internet, a man by the name of Big Sean 66 who in his Twitter bio described himself as EA Game Dev... Oh, yes, yes, I did hear about this, okay. <laughs> uh, ...tweeted about, like, man, I've already gotten so many death threats from this. Jason Schreier from Kotaku eventually determined that, no, in fact, this man actually probably does not work at EA. He was just pretending to get death threats for attention, I guess. 
and it's also very easy to tell that he was lying about the EA thing, because if you just name search him with the phrase EA, well, not anymore because he went private, but if you name searched him and then looked up EA, he had a, he had a thing from a few months back that was him being like, yeah, I'm celebrating my first year anniversary at EA, it's been great. And then from a few years back, he um, had a tweet that was like, oh yeah, as someone who's been at EA since 2007, comma. So yeah, he, Nintendo asked, why did this guy spend so much time pretending to be an EA employee? I honestly think he just wanted the Twitter attention. I don't know. Some people are weird on the internet like that with... Yeah, and you know what? It's possible he did get a death threat by someone that believed him, you know? Yeah. Which also isn't, like, regardless of, like, that guy being full of shit, like, don't send death threats, people. It's not ever okay. <laughs> but, like, he pulled it off for years. Like, didn't some, like, game journalist people follow him? Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, not only did game journalist people follow him, people who work at EA followed him. <laughs> just assuming, hey, he's probably some dude that works downstairs, you know? Yeah. So... Yeah, the internet's yeah. fucking weird. What a what a great time! I heard that Star Wars Battlefront Two is not that good, even without the microtransactions thing. I've heard so, Zach. Do you were you aware? I'm. I think I actually told you about this, and you laughed about them. But I I don't know. You might not remember. I might not have actually done this before Force Awakens came out. Were you aware of those Disney commer like the Disney Channel commercials that were summarizing Star Wars movies for little dumb children who have never seen Star Wars but wanted to see Force Awakens? No. I'm pretty sure I sent a few of them your way, but this was also two years ago. So Yeah, yeah, I f- I've forgotten by now, for sure. Right before Force Awakens came out, the Disney Channel kept airing these ads, and, like, everyone on the internet was making fun of them, that are like, in Star Wars 4, a young boy who works in a desert planet <laughs> as a moisture farmer with his aunt and uncle goes on to save the galaxy. Like, it's recapping the Star Wars movies for kids because they <laughs> didn't watch them. But, like, you know, Star Wars 7's everywhere, so they want to see it, right? Yeah. And, like, it's it's just the thing where, like, everyone on the internet's like, oh, God, I'm old, you know, like, um, yeah. that, that sort of thing. Um, People are comparing the Battlefront 2 single player to this, to those commercials. <laughs> Apparently, there's a, like, it's literally, like, every mission, it's like, hey, uh main heroine meets Han Solo. Han Solo is important because he did this and this and this. Hey, main character meets uh Tarkin or like not Tarkin, but like you know like the random hero character. <laughs> yeah. And and like you get a rundown of why they're cool and it's apparently really fan servicey and bad. Oh, that's a shame. I think I, mean, I think they did I, recap episode one through three, yeah. I guess it's better than having no story mode. Yeah. Um so funny you should say that, because with all the hubbub of Star Wars Battlefront 2, um I had recently purchased as part of my VR situation the ultimate edition of Star Wars Battlefront, because that comes with a 
X-Wing VR mission thing, which I still haven't downloaded yet. So here's the one thing I will say. Normally on PSN, for those who have never bought one, and I don't blame you, when you buy a version of a game that has all the DLC, when you click download, everything downloads all... Like, it triggers the whole, like, download everything flag, you know? Yeah. Like, you download it, and then you'll see all the DLC and expansion packs and whatever the fuck is downloading alongside of it. This is the first game where you need to actually go inside the game menus themselves and individually click on the different map packs and be like, no, I want to download this right now. Yeah. This happened live, by the way. This, Yeah, this did happen. I never put that stream up because I wasn't really happy with it. Um, yeah. But we streamed some VR stuff, and we were disappointed because I had to download the X-Wing thing, and I couldn't just play it from the Battlefront menu. Also, too, so during that stream... You saw me it you saw me take forever to connect to the EA server because you need to be signed into your EA account to play Battlefront. That problem is frequent. It took me I think 4 minutes from booting this game up to getting into a match and that's rough. Um I uh oof. I have some thoughts on Battlefront 1 and this is going to go back. So, okay. I have been a fan of DICE and by extension EA. DICE is the developer, EA is the publisher. I have been a fan of DICE's take on the whole uh FPS formula for a while now. I am a pretty big Battlefield fan actually. Yeah, the, you play the field. I pl- I played the field. I've played the field since Bad Company 2. Um which I still think is their best one. <laughs> but They are very good at making large, sweeping multiplayer maps where there's just a shit ton of players that are cooperatively working to, like, take objectives and turn the tide of battle and, like, actually have the synchronization that I want out of a multiplayer game where there is explosions and, like, Hollywood action shit happening while also having, like, strategy and... Uh, something that I always have loved about Battlefield is that even if you aren't the most twitch, like, twitchy, like, good reaction, like, actual marksman of a player, you can still help out the other three guys that you're in a squad with, and by extension, the whole team, just by being smart. <laughs> um, if and I'm fucked. Yeah. Hey. Um, and I know, like, actually, it's it's funny because I think that was, like, the appeal of Overwatch for a lot of people. But I think Battlef- yeah. Battlefield has been that for a while now, where, hey, even if you aren't that guy who can go in and, like, actually take an objective, you can be that guy who stays behind, and then when your buddy goes in to run over people with his Jeep or, like, deliver shit to other players, you can be that guy that stays behind, and then when the- your bud drives up to you, be like, okay, I can repair this now, you know? Like, you can just play repair or medic the whole game. Um... I mean, you're gonna have to shoot people at some point or another, every obviously, but like, you can really, you have options. And also, too, if you have a positional advantage or like you outmaneuver or flank someone, they're basically fucked. Uh, even if they're generally better at reacting to you, 
there's a lot of strategy that goes into Battlefield, and I think part of that has been lost in the public consciousness just because Battlefield has now become, oh, it's the, like, anti-Call of Duty, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. it's the big competitor, and I I hate that it's kind of been simplified to that in people's minds because there's a lot more depth there than people think. Well, do the new uh, Battlefields still have that depth, or...? They've sacrificed a little bit of it, but mostly yes. Um, they've made the maps a little more aggressive, and like, they, they've basically made it that you can get away with just being the guy who wants to shoot people. Whereas the other games, if you were the guy who just wanted to shoot people, you were fucking over the team. Um, but they still get away with it by saying, okay, you can be the guy that wants to run and round and shoot people, but you're gonna lose the game if you don't play the objectives. Like, if you're just off on the side of the map where the enemy team is shooting at them, like, you're helping, kind of, but the rest of that team can still go in and blow up the thing that you should be defending, you know? Yeah. Um... Which I think is a really smart way of doing that because that kind after a certain point that starts to weed out the people that just that don't want to take it as seriously, while still giving those people kind of what they want. Um, but after after a bit, I think those people kind of realize, oh, I'm losing matches because I'm not doing what I should be doing. Um, now, Star Wars Battlefront is baby's first Battlefield game. Okay. And it fucking shows, because holy shit, these are the dumbest motherfuckers I have ever played an online shooter with. Oh my god. I have never seen so many PSNs that are just, like, Marcus underscore Jedi 24. Like, Mm. it's that, but also, no one knows how to play these games. And I kind of feel bad for DICE, but also I kind of think that they set up this game to reward that in some really bad ways. Um, The first thing I want to say off the bat is, so in Battlefield, you have four different classes. You have a medic class, which obviously is like healing and reviving people that were recently killed. You have a engineer class, which is repairing specialized equipment and vehicles and stuff like that. You have a support class which runs around and gives people ammo and generally are, like, the big, like, heavy weapons guy that will, like... They're the guys that go up on a hill with a machine gun, and their objective isn't necessarily to shoot and kill people, rather than be, like, just shooting at a general area and making people afraid to run out in the open, because there's machine gun fire everywhere, you know? And then there's the snipers, and they're supposed to be, like, long-range kills and also, like, spotting for the enemy, like, spotting for the rest of the team. Because you can ping people, and then on the map, enemies will show up after someone, like, spots someone. And within that structure, you have... So you have teams about, like... You have big teams that are broken down into four-man squads. And ideally, everyone in that squad is playing one of those classes. Depending on the situation, some people want to switch out. But you all have a role to play within your squad, and then that has an impact on the greater actual match that's going on. They change out squads in this game to a partner system. Um, And one thing I should actually clarify, too. In Battlefield, when you die, you are given, like, a seven-second cooldown where you're just watching the map as a dead person. And then you are given the option to respawn either at a command point that your team has currently under control, 
or you can spawn on one of your squad mates who is still alive. In this game, it is simplified to, yeah, you have some places you can spawn at, or you can spawn on your one partner. But if your one partner is dead, you just have to go all the way back to the beginning. And you also don't have classes. You just have different types of equipment. Now, that doesn't sound like it would maybe be the most crucial change, because the different types of equipment that play different roles are all still there. But what it ends up being is that in Battlefield, even at the start of the game when you have the shitty default equipment, you can still play your role. Like, you might not be doing it to the best of its capability, but you have a role to fulfill in the map. When you start Battlefront 1, you have a blaster and a grenade that is good against people and a grenade that is good against vehicles, and that is it. And fucker, you are going to suffer through your early matches until you can get some of the cooler shit. And that sucks. Um... And also, too, because there's no classes, people don't get into the situation of, oh, I should be doing this, I should be fulfilling this role. So everyone just wants the shit that's good at killing people. Um, there are maybe two people I saw the entirety of when I was playing that used the shield, where basically it's like a, you know how Winston has the bubble shield? It's yeah. basically that. And it's super <laughs> useful. No one uses it, because everyone just wants to <laughs> kill people. Yeah. So I will say, it captures Star Wars in the sense that if you look at Star Wars fight sequences, they're not very tactical, it's just a bunch of fuckers playing laser tag running around like assholes. And yeah. this, this game captures that really well. But oh, well, okay. But it doesn't make for a very... Like, they wanted this to be a little deeper, I think. And it... it like... It's just becomes a bunch of people running around shooting each other like laser tag, and then, oh, I guess let's all bum rush the objective. Rosin, I think you nailed, like, I think you nailed it earlier, man. I've sold this game to a lot of kids. Yeah, um, they're the stupidest fucking people I've ever played an online FPS game with, to the point where Ow. I lucked out one of my early matches where me and this one dude were clearly the best two players in the entire, like, 40-man game. I think combined we had more like points on the scoreboard than anyone else in the like on our team. Um and we were supposed to be taking an objective. Everyone was running down the main alleyway, I guess you want to call it, towards the objective and just it was this constant tug of war. And this guy was motioning like kind of motioning me to come over, like I wasn't on voice chat or anything, he was probably talking to me to come around the side and flank and start to kill the enemy team from behind. And we had a lot of success doing that, and we were doing really well. And then immediately all the kids on our team noticed what we were doing, and instead of just everyone going down the main thing, everyone just decided to go the way that us two were going. And then the problem repeated itself, where everyone on both teams was just going down this part of the map again. And the en entire idea of having, like, the small man team doing, like, a cool, like, hit-and-run, like, on the objective, like, stealthily, it just went right out the window, and it went back to chaos again. And I was really sad. Yeah. Um, that said, this game kind of makes me want to go buy Battlefield 1. <laughs> Because I realized I kind of want to play Battlefield again, but like a good one with smart players. 
I mean, geez, how much does Battlefield 1 even cost these days? Uh, I think it's around 30 bucks. I might wait for Black Friday, see if there's anything. Um, Battlefield 1 is a thing that it it seems like the people like me who like Battlefield seem to really like it. They solved some franchise-wide issues that that game has had forever um, that I really like. Um, on paper, at least. I, I, yeah. I have yet to really play it other than like maybe 30 minutes at a friend's. I heard the campaign is actually better than the other Battlefield games because Battlefield is... Like, say what you will about Call of Duty campaigns being, like, really shallow, but they're dumb Hollywood action movies, and they play that role very well. Battlefield campaigns are just garbage. Um, (laughs) To the point where I tried playing Battlefield 4's campaign, and it kept deleting my save data. It's It's been a problem since launch, and they have never bothered to patch it. Because they said, and I think it's an actual quote, they said it. they didn't think that it was worth the resources. Okay. Um, the thing with Battlefield, though, is that it has a lot of DLC attached with each game. Um, and I kind of fell off playing... I, I fell off the, my want to get it day one anymore because it was getting a little pricey. And I just kind of, like, starting with Battlefield 4, I was like, hey, I can wait for the premium edition and then just play with everything and, like, just hop in, you know? Even though, like, the game might not be as active, there are still full servers and that's all I need. I can still play all the game modes that I want to play. Maybe you see a few PSNs pop up more often than you would near the game's launch when it's at its peak popularity, but, like, That's when you start creating legends. Yes, um, so, yeah, uh, Battlefield 1 is something I have my eyes on in the future, and I, I think uh, maybe I'll break my rule and get this, get that sooner rather than waiting for the premium edition with all the expansions and shit, so. Pretty sure it's out. Well, there there's one expansion, but normally there's three or four. Oh, because I know there's a new version that we sell that has, like, the expansions in it. Yeah. And this one's actually interesting. So, normally they just actually call them map packs. Um, this one, though, they're calling it an expansion because it actually does have more single-player content, which is a first for them. This is their first story-based uh, DLC, too. So. Yeah. Alright. I want to give it a try. But, uh, yeah, Star Wars Battlefront 1 is a... Oh, actually, one thing I will say, so, like, this is just part of me, like, still enjoying the new TV, but, like, man, that game looks great, and actually sounds great, hey. too. Yeah, I, I've heard that that's one of the main things, is the looks and the sound. There, There's a map that is just called Cinders of Endor, and it's just mm. a burned-down version of Endor with, like, fight, like, part of, like, the forest is just on fire. It looks so fucking good. Um, but, yeah. I I I'm happy I didn't pay more than like 6 to 8 bucks. I don't even remember what I paid for it. But I, I any more and I think I would have felt cheated. <laughs> I'm telling you, we should go grab Destiny 1, 2 bucks. Let's go. Are you serious? Destiny 1 is like 2 bucks. Uh I I would be down for that actually if you're unironic. Oh. So I I said that as a joke before and you said why would we do that when we can buy Destiny 2? I mean, yeah, but, like, I didn't know that it was in the single digits at this point. I'd be oh, totally, God, yeah, man. I'd be totally down. Yeah, let's play Destiny 1, Zach. All right, let's do it. Okay. Oh, God. No DLC. Oh, there's no DLC, though? 
No, it's just the base game. Oh. Is it really worth it, then? I don't know. It's two bucks. Yeah, fuck it. Are we talking two bucks on PSN or on Amazon or GameStop? No, I mean at GameStop. Go buy a physical copy for two bucks. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. Let's give Destiny a go. Just be aware you can't trade it in anymore. I kind of figured that would be one of those games. I don't trade in games anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Marina in the chat is like, uh, base game Destiny 1 is not good. <laughs> yeah. I, I Destiny 1 seems like one of those things that definitely got better with the DLC, but I mean, for, for $2, you know, yeah. we can get our foot in the door. Um, <laughs> Nintendo said that Zach is such a good employee, he just got a $2 sale from Rossin. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if this fucker ever needs a website, or a social media manager, I'll show my services. I won't. Yeah. So, Friday... You just got so fucking called out in the chat right now. Oh, yeah. I don't trade in... I traded in a Switch by trading in my old 3DS. But the only reason I traded in my old 3DS was because Amanda got me a new 3DS. All right. So I do trade in things when it's literally like, oh, I don't... <laughs> have the only the only other thing i traded in is i traded in a bunch of games that like i never wanted to play ever again because there's that really absurd GameStop like in-store credit sale which i used to buy marvel versus capcom infinite and mario rabbids so yeah we did do that thing where you trade in some games but also like i i reached a thing where i started like i still don't like to trade in games but i traded in splatoon mm-hmm and something else, I forget what it was, because I had a revelation, which was, oh, it was Mario Kart 7, because I was like, those games have been completely replaced, mm-hmm. and it's not even like, uh, oh, well, maybe I'll want to go back to them one day, like, in a couple of years, Splatoon 1 will not exist, Yeah. so I might as well get something for them until it's just a space taker, you know? Because mm. once the servers on Splatoon go down, it's done, you know? Yeah. Mm. I, I I have a story, actually. Mm-hmm. I've actually made positive money on Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, yeah. Because fun. of that trade-in deal. Yeah. So, I... Actually, I think this... I bought Horizon kind of because I wanted to play it, but more so because Amanda wanted to play it. Um... And I bought it at, with Berserk Muso as part of, like, a Best Buy deal thing um, on their site. So, like, you know, I played Berserk, she played Horizon, and then I got her Horizon back. And I, instead of playing it, used it for GameStop credit. <laughs> um... And then recently, Amazon had Horizon on sale for $20, and I bought it, and I did the math, and, like, I think I've technically made $15. Good. Out of buying Horizon, because of how much credit I got from that trade-in. <laughs> so. Yeah. Speaking of sales. 
Oh, yeah, speaking of sales, Melty Blood was on sale the other day, which I didn't tell Zach about. I just bought it. Nope. Yeah. No one told me that Melty Blood was on sale. I assume I assumed you you were a true fan and had it on your Steam wish list. I don't really use Steam a lot, so I don't really pay attention unless I see something like you know. I get text messages or like technically push notifications cool. when uh, stuff on stuff happens on sale on oh, my wish list. So I keep up to date. So Rosin bought Melty Blood for like five dollars. It was like ten, but yeah. I thought you said five. No, I think you said. I think you kept saying five, but it was more <laughs> like ten. Either way, um, yes. Oh, I thought you were gonna. Oh, no, no, this is this is good. Oh. See, people people in the chat... I'm not going to cut this out of the recording either. This is usually the type of awkward pause that I edit out. Mm. This is behind the scenes. But I'm going to leave this one in. I was also slightly distracted by Hippolyon saying that they won Berserk Muso by Tecmo Koei's Twitter giveaway. Hmm. Nice. That's fun. Um, yeah, no. Uh, so yeah, you bought Melty Blood for literally $5 and nothing more. And then I was told after, literally, the, like, the day after the sale ended that Melty Blood had been on sale. Um, and so I, I remember I played Melty Blood a while back. Like, Should we you know, clarify what Melty Blood is? If someone is watching this and you don't know what Melty Blood is, get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, clarify what Melty Blood is. So Melty Blood is part of this... Take a shot, Nasu verse, Tight Moon bullshit. I've corrupted everything. It is the sequel to Tsukihime, which is a visual novel by uh, Kinoku Nasu, who is also the dude who wrote Fate Stay Night. Yeah, that's why I said it's poetic. We started with Heaven's Feel. In case you came in late in the chat, I did talk about going to see the Heaven's Feel movie. It's very mm-hmm. good. And now we're ending with Melty Blood. Yeah. It's full circle. What's also great is that Rosin said, hey, Melty Blood was just on sale, so I bought it. You know, I'll get around to playing that eventually. And I went, Rosin, if I buy Melty Blood right now, will you play it with me? Yep. Because I've wanted to play Melty Blood again for so long, but, like, no one would ever, ever buy Melty Blood. So I bought Melty Blood for full price. And we've been figuring it out, and I have to say, so... Before this, we had a brief stint because it was on PS Plus of playing Undernight in Birth EXE late. <laughs> yeah, not late disc, but just late. Yeah, there's a PS4 version called Latest coming out soon? Question mark in English, but we'll see. Um, and it is made by the same developer as uh, Melty Blood, named French Bread. And I gotta say, I think of the anime fighter like air dashing, high mobility. Ver, like subgenre of fighting game, I think French Bread. I, I like their take on it the best. I really like how both Melty Blood and Undernight Imberth feel like a lot. I I mean I really really like Arxis a yeah. lot. I like Guilty Gear. I like Blaze Blue and Dragon Ball looks really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, I I really like French Bread too. I I like the way Melty Blood and Undernight feel. Uh, I should clarify, in case you don't know, um, 
I am not a good fighting game player. I'm actually like the most beginner a beginner can get, which is my whole life I've just button mashed. I've never been able to like successfully pull off things. Um, so I had a couple months back, we, I think we talked about playing Guilty Gear and, um, I had Antonomi kind of like start teaching me the ropes and like, now that I'm doing Melty Blood, I'm like practicing how to pull off like quarter circle moves and like practicing combos and stuff. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to get in there in time for Dragon Ball next year. (laughs) I have the motions down and I memorize some combos for each of the games I play, but then like the actual time it takes to learn like the neutral game fucks me up because that like it reaches a point too where it's like okay you practice all this stuff but then it's like j- now just keep playing until like you see what works and what doesn't you know and yeah. i always like start to slip up around that point for the vast majority of games i play just because i run out of time but i i'm still in like an earlier stage than you in the sense of like antinomi was like here just practice like the quarter circle move and it's like yeah, I can I can pull it off eighty percent of the time. Yeah, not a hundred percent. Sometimes I just do like a crouching punch. <laughs> so uh, yeah, but like that's why when we play, it ends up like I'll beat you like two times, you'll beat me like eight times. But it's fine because I'm having fun. Yeah, exactly. There's and something I, I like, to be I like said. learning it. There's something to be said about the very low level enjoyment of fighting games of just like going at it and not really exactly it like it took us a while to figure out how supers and shit worked in this game too because <laughs> to be fair yeah. they're kind of obtuse in this one and to be honest i still don't really get the moon system uh yeah there's like three different versions of each character yeah basically that that's the gist of it yeah uh that being said you're playing a ryogi shiki yeah yeah I like her a lot. I'm very happy because I like Haruno Kyokai, and Shiki is cool. And I also, like, I just happen to really like how she plays a lot, too. It's really convenient that you happen to like the one character you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I, meanwhile... It's funny you say that because I'm halfway through Arquid's route in Tsukihime. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Are you serious? Welcome to the reason why this podcast is live. <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> I can't believe you've pulled this on me twice! So yeah, Tsukihime's, uh, interesting. Um, hmm. So, it stars a young lad by the name of Shiki Tono, who had a car accident when he was a child. But there seems to be more than that, because the opening involves a lot of dead bodies. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he wakes up in the hospital, and he gets mystic eyes of death perception, and then he meets a lady who is a sister of a woman from Karno Kyokai, who gives him special glasses so he doesn't have to see, like, weird death lines everywhere. And then he grows up, and now he's in high school, and there's vampire things happening in this town. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to the part where the first big vampire bad gets killed by Arkwood and, um, Shiki. Tono. Mm-hmm. Um. My stomach hurts. Yeah, it's fine. So, um, uh, what can I say about Tsukihime? There's a few things I can say about Tsukihime, but story-wise, what I want <laughs> oh to get Oh my god, this to... is really happening! Yeah, it is. Fuck you. So... A lot of the story elements are, like, 
reused from Karno Kyokai, and I kind of knew that going in because of the whole, like, character named Shiki thing and, like, you know, Mr. Guys of Death Perception and all that. But, like, I didn't expect, like, the main character having, like, murderous urges that, like, they don't really understand and, like, them working through the morality of that to be a factor. Yeah. Um, Shiki and Arquid are interesting because Shiki kind of feels like a combination of Shiki Ryogi from Karno Kyokai and, um... What's the, uh, uh Mikia? Mikia. I, I think I said that when you started watching Karen or Hero Guy. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Nero Chaos is cool, but also, um, there's a scene I have, I, t- I took umbrage with, where, like, he was about to kill people, and then he was like, the sun's coming up, and then he just left, but, like... It kind of seemed like he could have spent five extra seconds to do the thing, but he didn't. Do you like that better or worse than Gilgamesh going, I could kill you, but this fire is going to get dust on my jacket? Oh yeah, that's also pretty bad. So I just want, before you go any further, Mm -hmm. because I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. I want everyone to understand that I read... So I I mentioned earlier, like, oh, man, Fate for me was, like, ten years ago. But then I realized, like, yeah, like, it was a little bit... Like, Tsukihime is one of the first, like, visual novels I ever read. And I was, like, young. And that was actually, like, at least ten years ago. And I have not read it again since. (laughs) So this is very surreal for me right now. Um... From an actual visual novel perspective, I want to say that I don't play many visual no- I don't read, I guess, many visual novels. I can tell that production-wise, this is the worst one I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few times where the game offers you choices, and then the character goes, Oh, I was going to eat here. Like, like the game will give you like an option that's like, Oh... Do I want to eat lunch alone in the classroom, or do I want to go see my friends in the cafeteria? And then it's like, Shiki decided to go eat lunch in the classroom. And then he's like, oh, I'm lonely, and I feel obligated to talk to my friends. And then you get the cafeteria scene anyways. Ooh. Um, which, from what I know, is not the norm for visual novels. Uh... The other thing is, and, like, I know this is apparently a lot more common of a thing, but just in the ones I've played, like, a lot of the different backgrounds are just, like, heavily filtered actual photographs of places. Yeah. Um, That's a very low-budget thing to do. Yeah. Um, so, hey, this was made when Type Moon was, like, an indie company, you know? <laughs> yeah, I you can tell. Uh, some of the writing is a little, um... I mean, it's it Masu, but... It ain't fate. Yeah. Is There's that a... a compliment or an insult? You decide. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like learning about the 27 true ancestors and the dead yeah. apostles. Is is The 27 are, are mentioned in that, huh? Uh, yeah, they're brought up a lot because uh, Nervingsker is a true ancestor, or no, he's not, he's a dead apostle, but he's friends with the true ancestor, I think. I I think he's not a true ancestor, but I think he's one of the 27. Oh yeah, yeah, he's part of the 27. He's part of the 27. 
Yeah, so there, there's true ancestors, there's dead apostles, and then there's the 27 dead apostle ancestors or whatever. Yes, okay, that, that's, I thought there were 27 true ancestors, but no, yeah, you're, you're right, what you said there. Yeah. <laughs> so you look at our queen! Uh, she's cool. Um, I think how she's... How do you like prototype saber? Um, I think I like her, at least from what I've seen, a lot more than a lot of the other heroines in Type Moon stuff so far. I mean, like, I mean, like, supporting role heroines, not, she's no Sheiky, but, um, I like her more than Rin, and, um, interesting. I like her more than, um, I guess both Yurisveel and, uh, Maya from Zero. There's just something about the idea of the main character, or of like of that character's introduction being like, "Oh, I murdered," and then reviving, and then being like, "Now, how can I exploit the person who murdered me and his guilt to my advantage?" <laughs> yeah, they they do they pull off the like, a, like a very like powerful, powerful, dangerous entity, but also has like that innocent, friendly side thing. Yeah, that. Nasu likes a lot. Uh, I have been spoiled on the more suspect stuff. Yeah, that there <laughs> there's some there's some really questionable material in that. I know that there is a point where the main character threatens to do a thing to someone to like as like a distraction or to like try to <laughs> convince them to not do something else that's really fucked up. <laughs> um yeah. There's there's some stuff. Um, it it came. It's I'm pretty sure from 2001. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. It it feels and looks like it. And also the the writing is not like yeah a lot of the stuff in there would be like people would call bullshit on like hey man that's not you know. Yeah. If it were if it were today. Um. Man, I bet you can't wait for that little sister route, huh? Oh, God. That's the thing that's been so fucking weird. So, like, you get the shit with all the vampire stuff, and then the second side of the story is, oh, you're, you, after your biological father who kicked you out of the house is dead, your little sister wants you to move back into your gigantic mansion, and there's these two maid babes there, too. I remember a lot of that visual novel. Like, the main thing that stands out is, like, the maid waking you up every morning. Yeah. And, like... Like, that, that is a very distinct memory. There's that, and she's always like, oh, you need to eat breakfast, or, oh, you need to bathe, and, like, yeah. Yeah. Fetishes. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going with that. Um, um, I'll say this, if you really plan on sticking to Tsukihime, um, the one really positive to that as a visual novel experience is that every route has, like, a new revelation that recontextualizes the whole thing. That's good. I'm 18 hours in, so I can't stop now. I, I mean, 18 hours into route one of five? Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, so, like, they all have something to them that is, like, a new revelation. 
Though I've heard the lo- the first one is the longest because you can skip repeat text after your first run. Well, do you know about the near side and the far side thing? Yeah, there, the the English patch comes with a flowchart thing that kind of lays out how oh, to go okay. through the game. If you, I haven't really been looking at it yet, but like it, there there there's a flowchart thing that lets you know which routes you can and cannot do first. So, yeah, but even then, like the game is for like two routes are kind of in one side, and then yeah. like three of them are on another side. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm gonna do that second. I'm going to do Arkwood's route first, and then I'm going to do CL second. Okay, so you're going to do Arkwood's CL, and then go to Akia, and then... Okay. The maids, yeah. Um, yeah, that's one thing, though. Melty Blood, a little... little didn't, didn't exactly know what was up with CL, but uh, Melty Blood kind of... Uh... <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a spoiler, huh? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh... I can't believe that you're doing this. <laughs> so there was a Skype call we were having where I was really quiet. And at some point you asked, like, Rosin, what are you up to? And I said, I'm installing the thing. And then you moved on. <laughs> hey, do you have music? Yeah. Mine didn't. You have to go through some weird bullshit to install the music into the English patch version. It's fucking weird. I was a kid and didn't know what they were talking about and just played it without music. Hey, I'm an adult, and <laughs> I had trouble. So here's the other thing. They tell you in that instructional setup, okay, please download this program and then export these MP3 files into these whatever files. Mm-hmm. Now, that translation happened in, like, 2008, so that program, while still free and available to use, has gone through massive changes. And figuring out... I think out, it was earlier than 2008. The translation was actually a, a little bit later. Um, but mm, still... I want, I want to say, I, maybe it was 2008 I played that in then. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, still, that program, you need to convert those music files in was, uh... It, the menus are completely different, so... I figured it out, though. But yeah. It's not too bad if you spend a little... Like, you just need to explore around and dig a little bit deeper, but it, it's fine. So, yeah. Are you proud of me? No. Yeah, I'm not either. I'm not. I can't believe you're reading Tsukuhime before Fate's Day Night. Yeah. They gotta get it in there. Yeah. So. So. I think that covers all that we wanted to talk about. Uh, um, the English patch came out in 2006. <laughs> oh, okay. I was gonna say, I, I know I didn't read that in 2008. I read that before then. <laughs> <laughs> um... Oh my god, man, I can't believe that we finally finished the recurring Karen Kyokai segment, and now you're reading Tsukuhime. I hope you guys weren't sick of Tight Moon stuff. <laughs> and this is gonna be a weird one for me, because there's a lot I don't remember. It's okay, I'll be sure to remind you. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Uh...
Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. So, I guess we'll give, um... We'll give a, uh, little bit of a shout-out to the chat. Hey, chat, got any questions or things you want us to discuss? Still with us. Uh, a while back, Lewis asked us what our opinion on the It book was. Um, I started rereading it. Um, I like it. It's a little long, but I don't, I don't know. I, it's not as fresh as other King stuff is to me. I, I read that one a while ago, so. I, I don't got too much to say about Gundam versus DLC, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, I I read it a while back, and I really don't remember all that much about it other than the weird stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, you're in good company if you're starting Dragon Guard One, man. Yeah. <laughs> now, how far you get through it? <laughs> that's a different story. Yeah. Mm. God, get ending E. Mm. Let's look through emails. Okay. We have emails. But from also last keep week. posting in the chat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean. We'll alternate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one's from Kendall, and he says Hey, Rosin and Zach. I first wanted to start off this email by saying you guys are awesome, and I recently fell in love with this podcast. Keep up the amazing work. I don't know. A- uh, I don't know about you, but I feel like it seems like on the internet nowadays that people love to be super cynical about gaming. I scroll down my YouTube feed every once in a while and always see this game is broken, everything wrong with the games industry, or this uh, game has so many problems, I'm done types of videos. It kind of seems like people just don't find the fun in video games anymore. But while I'm hearing all of this, it's continued to be a source of joy in my life. So when everyone is apparently outraged about this or that, I've been here loving a lot of what Uh, I've been here loving a lot about what I play. Basically, my question is, how do you feel about the cynicism of the gaming community as a whole is? I know there's problems and everyone has a different opinion, but all the hate seems to be a bit overboard to me. Thanks for reading this all the way through. Sorry about the length. And P.S. I thought SMT4 Apocalypse was awesome. Well, we disagree. But (laughs) actually, no, I I still like Apocalypse, but I do think that game went in directions I don't necessarily like, too. So, um... I have very strong opinions on the subject, actually. About Apocalypse? <laughs> well, yes, but no. About First of all, uh, thanks for uh, listening. Also, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm also sorry that you're listening to us. <laughs> um, man, so I think I've told this before, but, like, there was a point in time where, like, the overwhelming negativity and cynicism on the internet towards video games and, like, video game communities really started bumming me out and the exact moment was actually that like i reached an apex was the mass effect 3 thing where like i just wanted to talk about like the emotions i was having about these characters and everyone was like so negative and like oh you fucking garbage taste if you like that shit game what about the ending and i'm just like i i mean yeah sure if you got problems with it but i just you know i just wanted to have like fun and also, like, the Final Fantasy thirteen thing, like, it was kind of, like, hard to talk about things I liked when everyone was so overwhelmingly negative about them. Um, and then I just stopped caring. And 
it's been a lot better since then. <laughs> um, I think people people have fun with negativity, and I'm not going to pretend that I don't as well. And even sometimes I like to overblow my feelings on things a lot because it it makes it dramatic and it makes me feel like Let's I'm alive. Let's be real. Sometimes it's just fucking fun. It is. And like, I, I don't even say people do it intentionally, but, like, I don't even give that much of a fuck about Sonic, but I love dragging it sometimes just for the absurdity. You know what I, like, yeah. that's just how it goes, you know? <laughs> and even, like, I'm guilty of, like, did the Silent Hill movie really ruin my life? No, but I like to complain about it like it did. Yeah. You know? Like, like it's just sometimes it feels good to complain about things that bother you. Like, I'm not going to probably think that much about Battlefront 1 as much of, like, I gave that long-winded speech about it earlier. But, like, it sometimes you just got to let those feelings out a little bit. But also, too, like, I think everyone on the internet exists within some degree of hyperbole of their actual thoughts. Yeah. Uh, Ninto in the chat says something interesting, which is that he's never heard a good thing about Final Fantasy XIII and asks me what I like about it. Um... I'm not going to dwell too long on that because, um, honestly, I just liked it. I liked the story. I liked the characters. And I think the game has problems, especially in the fact that it takes half of the game for the combat system to actually fully introduce itself to you. Um, But once it does, I thought the combat system was really fun. And it was just a story that I got into and liked. Um, But when trying to talk about that, the entire internet said, no, you have shit taste, fuck off. Um, and that was kind of a bummer uh, at the time. And then I just kind of stopped caring. And it, like, honestly, it doesn't matter that people don't like the thing I liked. Uh, it's, I'm not going to let it impact my enjoyment of the thing. <laughs> I know? I feel, I have a few thoughts about this subject, too. Unless you have anything else more you want to say before I go into my spiel. No, the the only thing I was going to say was that, like, I do think, um, like, the flip side of what that was that, like, I do think it's important to be open to people's criticisms of a thing. And, like, if you want to just put yourself in a little bubble of your own opinions, that's fine. But I also think there's merit in hearing what people say about things as well. There's also, like, just in general value of knowing what the mainstream thinks about thing, even if, yeah. like, it's incorrect. <laughs> no, but, um, mm-hmm. Blade Runner 2049 was a box office bomb, but, mm, but, um... Sonic Forces is game of the year. <laughs> wait, wait, what? Wait, what? I didn't say anything. Oh, I thought you meant, like, there was a site that came out with that. I was about to say, holy shit, where? Uh, I I didn't say anything. Go on. Okay, so... No, I I have a few thoughts. So the first thing about the YouTube feed thing... Man, easiest fucking way to make YouTube money is to be outraged about every goddamn little thing on the internet. If you want to be the guy who constantly is the pro-consumer rights... I'm gonna make every fucking, like, video you can possibly make screaming about how I'm mad about Battlefront 2 loot boxes. You can do that, and you will constantly have material. If you want to be the guy that's mad that Sonic Forces was incomplete, and you want to make, like, four videos, like, analyzing how all of the different levels are, like, cut off, or, like, there's only so many zones, like, there is a never-ending amount of things that you'll be dissatisfied with that you can make a character out of and just yell at a camera 
and get people really hyped up and, like, to buy into it. It is, like, Angry Joe is the one I think of, of, like, even when that guy likes games, he has a shtick of being angry about things, and that's what people watch his shit for. Whether or not you like or find value in that content or not, you can't deny it's super popular. And, like, when he's not doing that persona, people get, like critical of the videos where he's not acting, like, really hyped up about something, even when it's something, like, small or stupid or inconsequential. Like, people like to get angry about things or watch characters they, like, get angry about things. Um, it is... You very rarely see a lot of, like, big gaming personalities that are constant, like, that are known for being overwhelmingly positive that are at that tier of, like, success. Yeah. And if they're not mad, they're also snarky. Like, if they're not being mad about something, they're being, like, condescending or snarky or cynical about something. There's actually a really good article I was reading the other day about how, like, um, certain indie developers are having a problem going to, like, indie game festivals that are, like, advertised um, too publicly now because a bunch of 12 year olds are going to these indie festivals and just let's playing games live in the sense that they're playing these indie like artsy fartsy games and then just repeating or parodying the shit that they hear all of their favorite like let's players say which is mostly like swearing and going what the fuck is this yeah kids are terrible but um Lewis has something here. How do you guys feel about the whole thing about people getting mad at the P5 director because of what the art book said about the characters uh, were designed to be cute? Uh, yeah, honestly, like, man, fuck Hushino. <laughs> like, Zach, I don't know if you saw those at all. I have the art book. Oh, you do? Okay, you bought it too? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so here's the thing. Yeah. I, I, I think the way... I, I think the way that's worded is a little misleading. It's not just that he said the characters need to be cute. It's, it's that they have to be cute. They and have be, and every can't be female else. character has to be cute and not something else. Yeah. yeah. And it's to the point where like the artists were designing interesting new designs and he was going, no, but she's not cute though. Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, but she's tough overworked reporter girl. Yeah. But she's not cute though. And, like, that's kind of like, no, you're kind of hampering creativity because you need to sell the Moe anime girls. It's also almost like you shouldn't have a whole, like, part and, like, major theme of the beginning part of your game be about sexualization if you're just going to make the same old tired male-centric type of product anyways. Yeah. Like, I... I am so ready for Hashino to leave Persona because it's... Also, too, there's that one quote that's been flowing around from forever ago where Hashino's like, yeah, I don't really think that, like, I have any female friends, really. I don't see how guys could have female friends if they're not, like, romantically interested. Or, and it's like, come on, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, like, I'm not saying that the man can't make good games or anything, because I like Persona 3 a lot, but, like... Yeah, no, he's got problems. I disagree with a lot of his writing, so... I I think the problem is that when you put him long-term on a series that is known for being, like, socially relevant and, like, I hate to say woke, but woke, um, 
those cracks will start to show after you start to say stupid shit over the Just years. like the cracks of death that Shiki Tono sees, am I right? Yeah. God, oh, we... I can't believe you read Tsukihime. <laughs> I mean, I'm reading it, but... Do we want to talk about The Crow at all, by the way? No. Oh, we watched The Crow on Devil's Night. The Crow is really good. We, me, me, Rosin, and some others watched The Crow together. Yeah. Using the same cool-ass setup that we used for the Breath of the Wild LP. <laughs> yep. Oh, that was fun. Um... Yeah, I um I also think in that art book there's just also a lot of like I don't know, I read through it more. I reviewed it. Um I, I disagreed with your review. I was really disappointed with that art book. Oh really? Yeah. I thought a lot of it was I, I thought a lot of it was I mean like I love the art of Persona Five, especially the uh <laughs> sorry, but Nintendo's <laughs> finally the Breath of the Wild LP delivers something useful. Uh, Hippolyon, you're making a very big mistake getting individual novels. But, uh, no, I just, um, the Persona 5 art is very good, especially the UI stuff, but I feel like that art book was just a lot of things of, like, yeah, here's the thing from the game you saw. We made it. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of, I, I, I nothing I could find. You wanted find more, con- like, like, conceptual stuff? I wanted more conceptual stuff. I wanted more, uh developer insight and i i feel like it wasn't worth the money i spent i i wish there was more written content in that book but also too man the sorry, you co- did say that in the review yeah also the written content that was there though like man a lot of what's said about the female characters in that book are really yeah weird like the one thing that also too is um there's like a little thing there's like a doodle of Anne with like longer hair and like the dude's like, I worked really hard on this, and Hoshino's like, no, it looked she looked better in my head, and like the the thing was just never used in the actual game, and like I kind of am under the impression that Hoshino just kind of has this whole like weird like personal cuteness spectrum that like he's or like threshold that he's trying to reach, and it was like really yeah, weird. I mean, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, man, like let's be real, it's kind of gross and weird. But it fucking works. It's what sells, unfortunately. It sells, and do you remember when those characters were revealed? Yeah, people were losing their shit. Yeah, like, he knows what he's doing. And whether we want, like, whether that justifies it or not is up to the individual. Yeah, because I mean, too, I do think, like, um, I was talking with people on Twitter about this, too, with, like, um, like, it's very clear that, like, in Nier Automata, like, man, like, marketing had a lot to do with how those character designs turned out. And it's, like, sure, that made that game sell way more, but also, too, that doesn't exonerate the corporate responsibility of, like, you're adding on to a culture where this is a problem, you know? Like, you know, there's a calculus to be played there over, like, how far you can go and, like, to take into account that even though you're getting a shit ton of money from this, like, what's the greater cultural impact, you know? Yeah. So, and you know what? Honestly, something that I kind of—I mean, some people are listening and probably going to be like laugh at my face, face for saying this, but like, man, I kind of wish I would—I would live in a world where like those videos where people are like, uh, more microtransactions and like their faces like in the thumbnail screaming, but it's very clear it's just faked for the thumbnail, and it was like about this type of stuff, 
but no, yeah, but no one actually cares about no one it. Actually cares. Everyone wants to hear about how EA fucked it up again. Yeah. So. No, I I do, and also too, just in general with like. I think no matter where you're gonna go, you're gonna find a, a degree of cynicism in like every like online community. But also too, I think with social media, and I mean we've talked about this, it's easier than ever to curate. Like I'm not gonna lie, there's been people I've unfollowed on or or maybe not even unfollowed but muted on twitter just because it's like it's not that i dislike you it's just that you put me in a very negative headspace i don't want to be in right now you know um yeah and like not even with video game stuff there's just been some people that like i hate to say it but it's like is sometimes i don't want to read people having a depression episode when i'm also feeling that way myself you know like it can be a little much sometimes, and I don't think there's anything wrong with admitting I I don't want to partake in that right now. So, ah, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Also, too, just like it can be a little scary sometimes, but I feel like if you push back or challenge people on like cynicism, I think a lot more people than you realize would kind of maybe realize, oh, I'm being a di-. like. Not always, obviously, but, like, I've definitely had conversations with people where I was like, oh, well, I I don't know, I think this, and, like, kind of try to, what's the word, I'm, not disengage, but kind of, like, de-escalate, and you can find sometimes people are, like, going into something really hyperbolic and, like, angry about something or whatever, and then when you give them, like, a, a little calm response, they realize, oh, I'm being a little immature or whatever, too, so... Yeah, maybe. I've seen it not happen, but... Well, yeah, and also, too, that's a point, then, too, where it's like, oh, that person's just an asshole. Yeah. So. Uh, but, yeah, also, too, like, in general, I feel like... I don't know if video games are, like, the only... I feel like almost every hobby or, like, anything I've ever looked into, there's always this degree of, oh, it was so much better when I first got into this. Yeah, of course. Um, Like, I'm starting to see it with tabletop stuff a little bit, where there's always those guys that are like, oh, man, none of this bullshit was ever a thing when I played 2nd edition Advanced D&D. And it's like, yeah, but also that game isn't very good, so... <laughs> but, yeah... Um, you'll always get that to some degree. Anyways, thanks, Kendall. Thank you. Someone asked us if SMT5 will be Switch exclusive. Probably. I don't know. Yeah. I, I They haven't announced another platform. Yeah. Who knows? Um, anyone in the chat got any more questions? I, uh, I do want to point out one thing, because there was some talk about how, like, you know, about the, like, uh, character designs for, like, girls and stuff, and then, uh, I don't know how to pronounce, Dryagonic? Sorry if I botched that. Um, said some people try to draw parallels between, like, the fan service female designs and, like, Duke Nukem and other hyper-masculine burly men. Um, actually, a, a couple years back, before all he talked about was loot crates, Jim Sterling had a really good video where he talked about how those two things are not the same. Yeah. And he boils it down very well to just, like, the the difference is that the hyper-masculine buff heroic men 
is a fantasy for men. Like, sure, some women may see that and be attracted to it, but that's also a power fantasy for men, whereas, like, the female dead or alive boob girl is also just for men, which is why they're not... You can't compare those two at all. Yeah. Uh, How do we feel about MMOs? Uh, I've never spent all that much time... I I think I've talked about... I think I like the idea of of MMOs more than actually engaging with that. I, I think I like things that have multiplayer qualities in an RPG. Like, I think I'm always gonna jive more with stuff like Monster Hunter and Dark Souls than, say, like, the time I spent with FF11 or Ultima Online. Uh, like, maybe one day I'll try out 14, but, like, man, I, I, I'm i not gonna lie, Zach, I've looked into it more and more, and, like, I just don't know if that's a game I, I really think I'm ever gonna care to try and get really into. Sure. I mean, the most fun is that, like, you know, you can do it with, like, friends and stuff. Um... I love the idea of MMOs, like, so much. Uh, I would say that I, I tried for a very long time to find the MMO that clicked with me, because I've always wanted one, and I've gone through a lot of them that I just bounced off of or only put a little bit of time into. Um, Final Fantasy XIV was that for me. I, I've spent, the like, since 2013, have been playing it consistently. I'm a little burnt out on it right now. I, I feel like there's some issues with... Uh, the content getting repetitive. Um, but I still really, really just like the idea of it. Um, I like the idea of a world that is a community and playing with strangers and friends alike and all that stuff. It's, uh, it's really cool. Um, it leads into a lot of manipulative grinding and a lot of like, well, no, you got to keep paying your sub if you want to stay relevant. But, uh, if you could put all that stuff aside and just accept that you're paying money to keep the server running then uh yeah i like them i like them but uh, i don't think i'll ever get into one as much as i got into 14 again i think that's also part of it for me too where like i i'm a little i'm more interested in like buying something that's like a package i don't have to put much more money into rather than like paying for like a subscription service type thing because like Two things. One is like I'm a like I don't want to reach that point of like oh I don't want to stop because I'll feel like what it, either a I want to get back in or b like I feel like if I don't have this thing I this is just like a weird me thing but it's like oh if I if I don't have this thing like currently active I feel like oh all that previous time was like for naught when the new content comes out or whatever. Yeah. Um, also, too, just. Um, with how my life is right now, and also, too, just, like, Zach, you know how I go through games. I buy so much shit, and then, like, spend time here and there, and then we'll, like, heat signature. I'll spend a little bit of time, and then I'll go back later and go way the fuck into it. Um, I had Crusader Kings 2 lying around for fucking ever before I even got into it, and then when I did get into it, I spent about, like, two and a half weeks going about 80 hours in, (laughs) so... I am so fucking sporadic when it comes to how I play games, and I feel like I'd be actually, like, not putting in enough time to justify my monthly sub for a lot of months with MMOs. Yeah. I mean, I like, I don't have a sub up right now. I, I, I only get a month when I know I'm going to play it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, I, I get that. I do still think at some point you should try out the free trial, just because, like, all your fucking friends played at this point, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think one thing that, uh, Dragon says, uh, again, Dragon, I don't know how to pronounce the Lorita. 
Dragon Larita. Um, home away from home is a good way of putting MMOs because sometimes they can become way more than a video game to people. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I felt that way about 14 for a while where it was like, yeah, sure, but I got to go be a scholar and, you know, do my raid. And it's like, you know, I just some or sometimes I just want to hang out at the bar in, in Mordona, you know, with a friend and like just watch people and talk about gear. I don't know. It was fun. Uh, Volok in the chat is asking if either of us have played a game called The Void? Never heard about it. <laughs> yeah. I Yeah, I've never heard of it, and I can't find it on the internet. Man, I want to talk about that dot .hack sign thing at some point, because, like, a lot of my feelings about MMOs are because I watched that before I played one. <laughs> no. The, the, like, the, a, a lot of my feelings about MMOs are me constantly searching for, like, some stuff that I imagined when I was going through .hack. Let's see. Uh, so this one is another email from Cole. Asking, what theme would you want uh, media, like TV shows, movies, games, to do more of? Like, is there a certain theme that you really like that you feel doesn't get enough play? A theme. So one thing I guess I'll say is, um, I think one thing that, like, the that's filling my heart right now with the Nasu junk food that I've been going through... I kind of want more things that are probably meaningless to most people, but you can tell that the person who wrote it has a lot to say on the subject. Like, I still maintain that I think a lot of... I think Karno Kyokai 5 is a movie for no one, to some degree. It's a movie for me. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, that's the thing, though. When it is for you, then it feels extra special. But, like, I love... I love sometimes when there's something that's so specific that it's like it it makes you question like what the fuck happened in your life that made you want to talk (laughs) like that made you want to explore and talk about this you know i i really like when stuff like that pops up um i kind of so hellblade came out recently and i know that there's been some like really love it or hated reactions to this i think that games could do a better job with mental illness type stuff and i think that they are a good medium to represent mental illness through but i don't think that we're all there with doing it great (laughs) yet so um i don't know i think that'd be mine Mm -hmm. i feel like i definitely have some but i can't think of any meaningful that's a hard one to like pull you know like pull out you know i remember a while back asking a bunch of people like I think I even posted it on Twitter. I was like, what are some really good, like, betrayals? Like, best friend, but like, uh, like imagine Star Wars Episode 3, but good, you know? No, oh, you should and be I... Berserk. <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm. Uh... But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Themes. Uh, if, if someone could tackle the themes of Silent Hill 2 again, then... I mean, I'm always really good for, like, existentialist, like, multiversal, like, world-hopping, like, large multiversal bullshit, like, SMT or The Dark Tower. Yeah. I really like, um... 
I really like things that like have something to say, you know. <laughs> Oof. Is that is that good? That's a good that, one. Is that a good one? That's a good one. <laughs> I don't know, man. This one's tough for me right now. Yeah. All right. Let's see. This one's from Lorita. This is gonna be awkward. <laughs> oh, so she's gonna, she says, "Hey guys, it's Laura." So, Laura, that works too. Um, I don't really have an actual question. Just wanted to know what all of you are doing for Halloween. Oof, yeah, I forgot. This is still from hey, the old email bucket. Older. I don't do anything for Halloween. Uh, she says, "Seems everyone I I, seems oh, seems everyone I know is playing Mario Odyssey for Halloween and occasionally being inconvenienced by trick or treaters." Love your podcast. Thanks, Laura. We didn't do emails last podcast, all right? We retired yeah. and went on for like four hours about nothing. About Stranger Things too. Uh Yeah, um I didn't do anything. I I've been meaning to go back and play Silent Hill One and then like a two best friends play Let's Play started and I just kind of been watching that, but I I still kinda of feel like playing through it myself. Um, so maybe I'll do that now that I have this glorious 1080p TV and I can stretch out the image. Oh, then, nice! Yeah, and, or or I should do it on my 4K TV, stretch out even more. Stretch out, stretch out the image, and see as long as you use the PS1 like filter thing on the PS3, makes it look butter smooth. Uh, I have not read Quantum Devil Saga 2 yet. I have a actual stack of books on my desk I really need to get to. I have It, which actually has a bookmark in it. I have Quantum Devil Saga 2. I have Gundam. And I have the Stalker novel. <laughs> Is the paperback one available on Amazon again yet? I don't know. I bought the hardcover. Did I talk about that? I think you did. Like the podcast? Yeah. Let's see. Oh, yep, it is. I'm excited. I am uh, happy Kevin Frayne's still doing stuff. Add the cart. I say that like you wrote the books, but he did translate them and he brought them over and stuff, so that's See, great. Check out. Okay. Man, I still have the PDF of Quantum Devil Saga 1 in my document somewhere. And it just says Quantum Devil Saga 1, and on every page at the top it says Review Copy for Cathedral of Shadows in all caps. Because mm. <laughs> we got it like a week early, so we wouldn't leak it. Nice. Yeah. Fun times. I think. Th oh no, that's not the only review copy of a thing I've gotten, because I got the weird, like, controller, keyboard, mouse thing oh, yeah. for PS4. Best video ever. Hey, that video is one of my constantly like highest grossing like every like quarter. It's so fucking weird. Like man, people, pe people want it, I guess. Care. I still use that thing occasionally, but like it's it's just kind of a pain to set up, so I I'm fine using I'm fine using the inferior control method of a controller. <laughs> uh Let's see. Any other... Doesn't look like there's any other questions in the chat. Oof. Oh, boy. I'm dying. This one hasn't even been going on for as long as we mostly do. Yeah. It's only three hours. Yeah, this one's from Quist. Qu <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
what the fuck that was? You all right there? No, this one's from Chris, not Quiz. Quiz? (laughs) All right, Quiz, hit me. (laughs) This one's from Chris, and he wants to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I'm better. You alright? I'm better. Um, what do, do you, you want? Do you need to go get some water? Or... No, I'm fine. What, what do you want to say? <laughs> Please read that, Rosin. Hello, this one's from Quiz. Ooh. Uh, sorry, Chris. What do you want to see the most out of, uh, media this year? I'm assuming he means 2018. I don't know. I really, in 2018, the most out of media I really want to see is Heaven's Field 2 Lost Butterfly. You know, I wouldn't mind if things slowed the fuck down a little bit. It's really weird, man. All the games I'm looking forward to next year are fighting games, and I'm really not a big fighting game person. It's funny. It is funny. Thank you for agreeing with me. It's it funny. really funny. I really I funny. actually hope that next year is not as hectic because we've had like three years in a row now of just like fucking A plus years. I I think given what we got from E3 this year, next year will be a slow one. Man, I. This is a random thing to bring up, because I, I was looking through my, like I said, I was looking through my, like, PS4 library of just all the games I've purchased, and I was kind of like, man, I kind of feel like replaying The Last of Us, but, like, just because of that game, but, like, man, like, I don't care about Last of Us 2 at all, and, like, that trailer was... I don't. I couldn't care less about Last of Us 2. I, oh, man, why, why did you bring back Joel and Ellie? I just, honestly, man, even, like, without the Joel and Ellie thing, I'm kind of over that whole... I don't know. Universe. There's just the whole tone and genre has been played out right now. Yeah. Like, I I look at the, like, Last of Us 2 trailer that they showed recently with the hyper-violent post It's like, it's just, like, Walking Dead. Like, I don't know. I kind of wish that they would took that type of gameplay and brought it over into something different. I wouldn't have minded that. Jack and Daxter, let's go. Yeah. Grimdark Jack and Daxter. Yeah, Jack too. Let's go. Oh fuck, you're right. What's coming out next year? Say something just this once. I'm gonna kill Praxis or whatever the fuck his name was. Oh yeah. Was his name Praxis? You know, when you think about it, Jack being tortured for all those years is kind of like Sonic Forces. Oh dude, Sonic should talk. Yeah. Maybe that's why Sonic started talking and Classic Sonic doesn't. Because he was tortured? Yeah. Like, what if in between, like, Sonic and Knuckles and Sonic Adventure, there was, like, a year of serious torture? And then Sonic came out of it and he started talking, and that's why he handles the torture so well in Forces, because he's been through it. It's old news. Good one. The next time, when Sonic Adventure 3 inevitably comes out... And Sonic and Eggman team up again. I want everyone to remember that there was, like, six months of hardcore torture 
every day between those two. Eggman literally tortured Sonic daily for like half a year. Do we get an explanation as to why he doesn't just kill him? I think it's written off in one line of like, yeah, he wants to like show him the end. Good. Like, like he wants Sonic to see him win. Good. Any other questions? But then he's just gonna send him off into space. Any other questions from the chat? We we covered everything. We're email free. We only had like three emails for. <laughs> it was more like five. Mm. But. Okay. Sonic Forces Game of the Year. Sonic Forces will be on my Game of the Year list. Oh shit. Which I have made and just need to write things for and then post at the end of the year. Damn. I lost my phone. I found it. My I found my phone. What do you want for Christmas? Uh, Ovan! You want Ovan for Christmas? Why did you leave us? When we needed you most! <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> Good job. Proud of you. I think we're good. <laughs> Thanks everyone for watching us live. I Hold think on. this was a good live showing. I want I want to give shout outs to the exchange of my email was late. I'm never letting this go. Followed up with gotta send it early. Send the what are you doing Easter one right now. <laughs> uh, what Gumpla am I going to buy next? Uh, probably the HG Zeta because it's like the only like good Zeta kit it seems or like decent Zeta kit that doesn't fall the fuck apart because they added in the transform gimmick um, but it still has really like kind of crappy stickers Sonic uh, Forces is number 8 on my game of the year list nice no I don't think I'd buy a 1144th Neo Zeong I want to buy the SD Neo Zeong though Sonic Mania is number 3 If you're stranded on an island, would you rather have Sonic Forces or Sonic Mania? <laughs> no, Ninto. There are two games below. I, I can't Sonic believe Forces. I can't believe you've only played eight games this year, Zach. But what two games could possibly be underneath Sonic Forces? Find out this December. Yeah, I think I think we're done here. Rosin. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. When do you want to go see Justice League together? I was really thinking about saying it today for the podcast, and then I was <laughs> like, no. Yeah. Yeah, we could have both gone to see a movie today. Yeah. Evans Field, Justice League, same thing. Yep. Hey, I've heard people say it's not... BVS, so that's good. 
Yeah, sure. Come together. Napoleon, I I don't think I'm qualified to give you advice on what to write for your blog. Have you seen mine? So now that we've done a live podcast, next you gotta do a podcast from the theater as the movie, please. It's true. Hey. We'll do a movie commentary one day. Oh, wink, are you hinting wink. at things? Yeah. Are you hinting at things? I might be hinting at things. Uh-oh, there's been talks behind the scenes. There's been talks. Caca, caca. Oh, man, if my blog is part of the reason why you realized you wanted to make a blog, then yeah, fuck it, go write whatever you want. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I keep saying this podcast is done, but then I don't know how to end it. I mean, it, we're talking even, with the chat, so it's hard. Yeah, even live. Yes. I mean, could there ever be another way? Want to stream, like, a thing? Like now? I mean, yeah. Like what? I don't know. Like Croc for Game Boy. What? Yeah. <laughs> or do you have to leave? I mean, I could stay for a little bit longer. I do have work in the morning. But oh, I could, okay. I can stream something for a little bit. Okay, let's let's stream some Croc for the Game Boy. I think we'll transition into that now. Did you have this like planned? No. I've been thinking a lot about that we needed to get we needed to address Croc for the Game Boy though at some point though. Is this still the podcast? Yeah, but it's going to not be soon. Bye everyone. Thanks for listening. I got a Heaven Spiel poster from the movie. Yay. I um hmm Seems like a lot of people in the chat actually are saying it's late and have to go. So maybe... Want to stream Croc tomorrow? Uh, maybe. We'll talk. Okay. Yeah, let's just... Let's just kill this podcast. Oh god, this is the worst one. Yeah, it's so good. No, let us know how the live thing went, though. Maybe we'll do more? Yeah, if you guys liked it. I thought it was fun. I did, too. All right. Bye, everyone. Have a good night. God bless and don't see Justice League. Presage flower. Yeah. Where's the stop record button? Found Mm -hmm. it. Mm Mm-hmm.